0: What's up podcast world chat building this life ain't for everybody another episode coming at you still from the great city of Kansas City that's kind of redundant the great city of Kansas City we've had a blast on our road trip so far Denver Minneapolis Kansas City headed to Phoenix Arizona after this to see my man Ryan Bader from Bellator MMA the heavyweight champion in the world the Grand Prix heavyweight champion in the world we're excited to sit down with the man himself, Mr. Ryan Bader. He uh, has some ties to us with family ties, hunting ties. He's a wrestler stud. He uh, knocked out Fedor with the left hook in the first round, and now he's getting ready to defend his title again against Chet Congo. So we're excited about that. Bellator is going to be in town filming. We're going to get to watch some live sparring, training. We're going to get to train with him, live a day in his shoes, and then sit down right here on this Life Ain't For Everybody and talk to him about his success the explosion after he left the UFC the roots everything that's gone into his career so we're excited about that today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Deamer Box. check them out Peachtree Georgia for all of your Bluetooth audio music needs they are uh, they're uncomparable in my opinion 50 hours of battery life on one charge charge your cell phone f- from it store all of your goodies in there whether it's your wallet your passport your IDs whatever it is and also you can pair them together as of right now you can pair up to six units together at deemerbox.com check them out they're very affordable and don't forget that they float they're 100 waterproof so if you're fly fishing in a float tube and you want to tie it off to the back of your tube it'll float right along with you playing your favorite tunes keeping that day alive for you so tell them chad building the at foul life crew sent you deemerbox.com today's guest is a buddy of mine we have some common Threads in the outdoor industry as far as TV production goes. And this guy uh, has has an awesome story, and I can't wait to hear it. I have a lot of uh, insight that I want to talk to him about. I don't really want to ask him a lot of questions because I don't want to bore this man. Michael Hunsucker, Heartland Bowhunter, straight out of the state of Missouri. How are you, my brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Heartland Bowhunter, this has got to be, I'm going to guess... is it what, season 11? 12, yeah. 12. Season 12, you're one ahead of us. Yeah. So you guys went to air in 2008.
1: Yep. 2000, yep. how old are you? I am uh, just turned 33.
0: So, so man, you are you started this at 22 years, at 21 years old?
1: Yeah, we were young. See, this, we were is young. What,
0: this is what gets me is that to be that successful and to launch the brand, there had to have been something going on other than we're just going to go out and become some of the top videographers and, and post-production guys in the industry because... As we get into this discussion, one of the things that's always rings true with your brand is is quality is a different approach, a different focus on the hunt, the locale, the people, the personality. It's not just about flinging that arrow at a white-tailed deer and, and then saying, hey, guys, we're going to wait an hour. We're going to get our headlights on and go track them and then find the blood trail. And that's redundant. That's become redundant in the outdoor TV world, in my opinion. I know it's part of the game, but you guys did it different from day one. Was it was it TV that did it for you? Or what, what, what were you into at 21 years old that made you take the step?
1: Yeah, I don't think it ever, like, we never, like, set out to have... Uh, hunting TV show or really, we didn't really know what we were doing. You know, we, Sean and I were in college, just kind of, we started filming hunts. We'd been filming hunts for several years just for fun and, um, you know, kind of just got a little more serious about it. And we, we kind of saw an opportunity, I guess, with the industry. I mean, you remember back then it was just like, you know, the, the, the quality of production was not the same, you know? And so, um, we saw an opportunity to do something a little bit different. And, uh, Sean's dad actually owns a machine shop. And we started developing and manufacturing tree arms, which sounds silly, but that's how we got our start in the industry and our foot in the door. And that's how we actually met a lot of people that, uh, you know, got us started. So, uh, manufacturing tree arms, we, you know, thought we'd capture the best quality content possible and to promote the arm and sell it. We never had a, you know, aspirations to to have a television show. So you wanted to sell this tree arm to other TV
0: and DVD producers.
1: Yeah. Just people, yeah. People that were trying to film because we went out and Sean and I, when we First, like, got a little more serious and got like a bigger camera. You know, they're heavier, and and we just didn't. There was nothing out there for sale, or you know, to to support a camera like that. And so, we're like, well, let's just start making them and selling them. And that's basically what we did. And so, through that, we got to meet, you know, uh, other producers, Gordon Winnington, uh, some of the real three guys, you know, uh, Don and Candy Kiskey, um, some of the people have been doing it for a long time, and got to learn more about that business side of things. And I'm trying to think when you were talking about, you know. 12 years ago when the show first aired, I, I was trying to think what channel it was on. I can't remember if it was like men's outdoor and recreation oh, or and it was, you know, yeah, it was something like that before sportsman's channel kind of yeah. took over that. But I know it, it seems like if there was a bunch of different channels back then. I think 09 on, was
0: like the first year of the sportsman's channel. One of them right? right in there somewhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it was like men's outdoor and Recre, or there was like men's network and then there was more in men's outdoor and recreation. They changed. And then I think sportsman's channel bought them, but uh, man, it's crazy to think think back then, you know, so is there any
0: videography and, uh, experience at 21 years old, are you guys going to college in, in film production or cinematography or how uh, do you guys know how to turn a camera on?
1: Yeah. I mean, no, it was basically all, you know, self-taught. I mean, I actually, one of the first things I ever bought, like when I was in like junior high was a little handy cam, Sony handy cam. I just like saved up my money and bought that. And I started filming stuff just for fun. So like one of my really good friends had a, has a farm here, local in Kansas city that we kind of grew up messing around on and we would film everything. like. It was almost more or less like filming. We filmed a a series for our Dynacom in junior high, and it was almost like a dumbed-down version of Jackass. Like, we were just running around the farm, like, you know, you know, tearing stuff up. We were 13, 14, and, you know, his dad had an old Bronco we could drive around and just doing dumb stuff, but funny stuff. And um, that's, like, my first start when I first started, got, you know, into the video side of things. And so um, Sean and I, you know, hunted together in high school. We went to high school together. And uh, so we started filming just for fun and kind of got addicted to it, man. It's just like you got that. We got that first successful hunt on video and we're kind of hooked.
0: So you're making this tree arm and you guys are going out to put a camera on it test it obviously you get in the field and now you're you're filming your hunts and your idea is to be able to take this footage to market to show people look how steady this is look at the ease of operation the ease of use you can leave your camera sitting there on record you can do diy hunts do it yourself stuff um, if you have a videographer he can be in another stand but uh, rest assured your camera is going to be steady that was the whole idea was that brand under heartland bow hunter yeah yeah so it's called the hb sniper pro is what the what the tree arm was called. So. so you took the name Heartland because this part of the country, and then you put it into bow hunting just because that was your passion was stick and string.
1: Yeah, that's all we really did. Yeah, I mean, once I picked up a bow, I I never really picked up a gun, a rifle again. You know, just I was just hooked on the on the you know intensity of the bow hunt. You know, the up close and personal side of things. So
0: is that still stand true today?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I've uh, I've shot a couple. I'm trying to think I shot a, a blacktail in Alaska with a rifle on like the last day of a hunt with my guide's gun. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, obviously I shoot, you know, waterfowl and, and do some shotgun hunting and, and, stuff. But, um, yeah, I've shot very few, very few deer or big game with a, with a gun since really, since the beginning of my bow hunting career. So,
0: so how, when, when is the, is this tree arm still in existence? Are y'all still selling them and manufacturing them?
1: Uh, no, we're not selling them manufacturing anymore. We actually, um, we were partnered with muddy outdoors, um, you know, several, uh, several years ago. And we quickly realized kind of the arm that we created was a high end, really big arm that was really tailored towards, you know, professional people that were spending a lot of time out there. And we realized the market was pretty small and that really we needed to come out with some other versions in order to tap into the more consumer market. And so actually we partnered with muddy way back when, uh, when Larry Kendall was one of the owners of muddy and, uh use that same design. They produced the boss hog, the muddy boss hog, which was our, our same design. And then they produced two, uh, smaller tree arms as well. So like a, uh, they had a hunter and then an outfitter. Um, and the hunter was the mid range size and then the outfitter was a small range size. So much bigger market then. And, um, you know, since then, man, there's just crazy tons of options out there now. I mean, you got companies like fourth arrow that makes, uh, tons of different tree arms and all kinds of accessories. They're getting into more, even more stuff now. And so, uh, a lot of innovation in that side of things, but, we kind of strayed, you know, once we, once we, got into the television side of things, we realized, okay, this is, you know, the the tree arm is not our core focus, you know, and, and this is, uh, you know, the production side of things is what we really want to focus on. Clear
0: that up for me real quick though, Mike, with, with Muddy, there was a partnership that they, what, sponsored your TV? The
1: They were a sponsor of ours, yep. yep. So we partnered you guys with them. sold
0: out to them or gave them your designs yep. for, and they bought you for, they bought your, the tree arm design.
1: Yeah, we partnered with them on the tree arm design, yep. And, yep. and so. you still
0: have that partnership?
1: Nope. So they, they're not, uh, I don't think they're, so since then they've sold several times. Um, and actually are owned by, uh, GSM now, which is another partner of ours that, you know, through a bunch of, uh, you know, how the industry has been a lot of consolidation, a lot of, uh, a lot of buying and selling of companies. And so, um, they're actually under GSM now, but they were, uh, they got Larry Kendall, who was the owner with several other guys, um, who we had the partnership with, um, sold them to mainstream holdings, which is like big game tree stands and those, those companies. And, uh, so that at that time we kind of, quit making them. Um, I'm not sure if they still make tree arms. I think they still do make some smaller, uh, smaller entry arms, but I don't think they make the, uh, the boss hog anymore. No,
0: they don't make anymore. No. So do you guys still use your original designs?
1: Yeah. So we, uh, yeah. So Rex had a, a handful of them, you know, parts and stuff in the, in the barn and has assembled a few of those. And, um, actually, yeah, I'm still using one of the ones, one of the original ones. So, I mean, they're built to last. I mean, we have, we have some of the old muddy arms. We have some of our original sniper pro arms and then we use a handful of those fourth arrow tree arms as well, so uh, it's it's amazing. If you don't toss them out of the tree, there they hold up pretty much about everything. So,
0: so you guys have this tree arm, and and are you you start to film your own content to promote the tree arm? Does somebody come to Hun and and Sean Lucktail and say, hey, you guys are onto something with your style? You guys are good on camera, or what launches the idea of actually? getting into the production side, not, not necessarily TV, but did you, was there a start earlier? Because back, back in oh oh seven, oh eight, oh nine, 07, 08, 09, um, 21 years old, are you guys still just filming home videos that you guys are are putting on? I don't even know if there's social media at that time. I mean, I don't even no, know if there's a yeah. way to, a platform to get it. Where's your footage going?
1: Yeah, just on our website actually. So we, uh, we actually just started naturally, you know, had a group of friends here locally that we hunted with and hung out with and and, uh, did, did some filming with. And so naturally we started getting, you know, those guys, uh, tree arms in those guys' hands. And, uh, as a, you know, group started just capturing all this content and started filming everything. And we didn't really know, like I said, we didn't know what we were exactly, what we were getting into, what we were doing. Um, we just knew that we wanted to tell a story and film show more than just the kill, you know? And, uh, so yeah, we started, uh, started filming, all that stuff and started like putting together like basically like webisodes. episodes. It was right when like Vimeo got started and Vimeo was kind of a higher end for higher quality, you know, content. And um, so we started producing, producing some videos, putting them on our website um, to promote the arm. And then, you know, like I said, through some of the relationships that we had established with different people, kind of learned more about the, the television side of things. And, and, um, and thought that would be a good opportunity for us to, to really make that leap. And so on the, as far as like the post-production side of things, we had another friend of ours that we went to high school with. His name is Trevor Hawkins and not a hunter at all. Um, you know, grew up on Lake Ladawana out here, you know, as a, as a lake rat and just skateboarder, you know, definitely not, you know, n- no ties to the hunting, but loves, you know, hiking, camping, outdoors, all that stuff. Um, and was in the, big into the video production side of things. And so he had produced some like wakeboard films and some different films that I had seen. And I remember Sean sent, you know, showing them to me being like, Hey, have you seen these videos that trevor's putting together like check these out you know and i don't wakeboard know nothing about it but i would watch those videos and i was like damn that is cool you know like that makes me want to wakeboard it was just a feeling and uh so we actually eventually ended up meeting and talking and and uh got together with trevor and said hey man would you be interested in in producing a hunting tv show and he was like well hell yeah man i'm i'm working at best buy right now so like let's do this you know and so um, so we got together, he knew nothing about hunting and but started slapping, put it together. And, and a lot of it didn't make sense, but it felt good, you know, it was like, dang, this is cool. And, uh, so we kind of talked through stuff and worked through everything and, um, man, it's, it's, yeah, the rest is kind of, kind of history. It's just like, we, uh, you know, you know we kind of just learned as we went, you know, and kind of figured it out as we went and, um, found our way into a, into a little bit of a niche, I guess you'd say.
0: So we, when you decide to make what happens on that day that you and Sean say we're going into the TV business? Is it like, well, we're going to research this. We're going to see how you get uh, a network to pay attention. How do you actually fathom that idea or that plan or that approach to say, Hey, we need to contact this network and see how do we even get an idea or an, uh, an opportunity to give them our, do you have to send them a pilot and see if they accept it? How does that all work?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We actually, um, and I'm trying to think it's been so long. I'm trying to think all the exact details, but we had a pilot episode and I want to say the very first thing we ever produced actually was a DVD. We produced a DVD called arrows unleashed and it was a Turkey hunting, all Turkey hunting, archery DVD. And that was the very first thing we produced before we had the TV show. And then I think we, uh, I, 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 I not we weren't set on, the name of the show being Heartland Bowhunter. Obviously the brand was Heartland Bowhunter, but I think Arrows Unleashed was maybe going to be the name of the show, but we had a pilot, I believe it was called Arrows Unleashed and it was a fall pilot. Um, but yeah, so we had reached through the people that we had kind of networked with and met through the tree arm side of things. We had uh, got some contacts in the industry and then reached out about doing the show and uh, created a pilot basically. And so, as you know, you know, the, the, the way the network is set up, it's a time by model. So, um, you know, we basically pitched the idea to the network, and in the pilot Um, you know, they review it, approve it or deny it, whatever it might be. And then, um, then we purchase the airtime and sell the inventory. And so that was, Sean and I actually went to, we didn't go to video school or anything that we were going to business school at the time. And so it was kind of neat because we were learning the whole business aspect of things, you know, as we were going through it all and starting, you know, starting a company. And so, um, you know, the, the time by model was like, okay, well, we're going to need some money up front to start this deal. And, um, we had, you know, luckily we had a couple of partners, uh, Sean's dad, Rex is a partner of ours. And then one of his really good friends, Brad is another uh, partner of ours. And those guys, both entrepreneurs, both small business owners. And so they, we were able to lean on them a lot, you know, starting and, and learned a lot from them. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's how we basically got, got going. And so we, you know, shot out of the gate and said, okay, here we go. We're going to throw some, th- you know, put some investment dollars behind it and, and, um, you know, then, more well, at the sponsorships as they come, you know, because that stuff def- definitely takes time.
0: So. What's the What's the wakeboarder's name? Trevor Hawkins. He's and he's involved at this time. Um, uh, I'm
1: trying to think if you met. You may have met him. It may have been him. I believe him and Austin came and did that real tree commercial with you.
0: Oh yeah, I remember Trevor. Now, okay. that was Mammoth. Yep, yep. So they started. Uh, they had another. Co- he turned his business into another company after this, obviously. He, so he goes on to grow. Man, was that Mammoth production? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of we've we've kind of gone through a bunch of uh, changes but yeah so mammoth was our production company that we were doing all of our production work under and so we did um okay you know, so that was your company I right you. okay. well yeah it was we were partners sean and trevor and i in, in austin and so um yeah so we were doing work you know that was uh the hunting industry was kind of our focus and so as we kind of grew the show and um started doing more work in the industry we started getting you know people interested in having us do production work as far as you know, TV commercials, branding films, that type of stuff. And so we started taking on that side of the business. And then Trevor, um, and Austin really were, you know, more focused on outside of the, uh, hunting industry stuff. So they did a lot of agency work with different creative, uh, agencies here in Kansas city, um, stuff for like, you know, local grocery chain, like price chopper and uh, Boulevard brewing company and a handful of just, you know, non hunting industry stuff. So we did a little bit of everything, um, from a production standpoint, you know, not just in the hunting industry, uh, uh, you know, solely in the hunting industry.
0: So is Mammoth still exist?
1: No. So, yeah. So we no longer, um, you know, we, kind of, we uh, separated ways several years ago. And uh, Trevor is still working under Mammoth. He's doing um, a lot of production work through uh, some different creative agencies and stuff still. Um, but he actually, when we kind of separated Mammoth from, from HB and started doing everything basically under the HB umbrella, um, Trevor was really focusing on a, on a uh, film called Latawana, which is about the you know, lake is the lake that he grew up on. And so he was really um, wanting to focus on this film and spend a lot of time doing this film. And so he didn't have the, the time to still continue to, you know, do, uh, do the post production on HB. So we had actually done, you know, since then had grown the company and hired, you know, we had several other editors that worked for us. And so we kind of knew it was kind of a, uh, there was going to be a point to where, you know, we were going to have to phase Trevor out because I mean, he was, you know, HB is, he loves HB, you know, he was a part of it from the beginning. And so it's his baby. But outside of that, you know, as far as other production work in the hunting industry, not necessarily his passion. And he's the kind of guy, he's one of the most interesting guys that I've ever met. He just a uh, super good dude, but you know, he just lives life the way he wants to live it. You know, right. he, he doesn't worry too much about anything and is uh, one of the most happy guys you'll he's ever meet. Yeah. He's a hippie kind of he, yeah. He's a, a Kansas he's a, City hippie. He is. And, so and, uh, in the
0: beginning stages, though, I don't want to pass over the amount of work that it takes to actually go to air with that first episode. What what's going on in your mind as the originator, you and Sean, with logo development, intro. Royalty free music. Now you guys get to, you know, you guys are known for having some really cool music and vibe on your show with the use of like with the partnership with Reckless Kelly out of Texas, which um, I believe they're an Idaho based. Is that Braun Brothers? Is that the yep. Braun? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. Mickey's brother. um <clears throat> But I want to learn mm-hmm. about all that. Maybe Reckless Kelly. If Reckless Kelly's not there in the beginning stages, let's save that because that's important to me because I'm I'm intrigued by that part of this business of, of working with different musicians like that. So what is, what's running through you and Sean's mind on the aesthetics of this show? Is it, is it generic at that time? Or did you start off with wanting to be a hundred percent like legit, like here's our stamp, here's our icon, here's our logo, here's our intro, here's our credits, here's boom, boom, boom. Did you guys take care of all that in day one?
1: No, it definitely was evolving over the time and we were just kind of figuring it out as we went, you know? Um, and actually, so yeah. Um, Early on, yeah, we used Reckless Kelly's music. Uh, we reached out to them and just said, hey, we're, you know, we have a show. We're interested in, in using some music. They're, you know, pretty small at the time, especially a small, you know, small Texas country band. And um, actually also used some of Brantley Gilbert's music when he was, you know, before he was big. and he was and, a songwriter. Yeah. So. And so, um, yeah, some of that early on music, which it's kind of interesting because like that's like the the generic hunting industry, like just just throw some country music on it you know kind of deal and so like it's kind of interesting that we did use that early on because i think we just kind of fell into that trap but um also like you know the 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 big part of the of the sound design and the music side of things trevor was really good at was you know matching the feel with the music so everybody's like in the hunting industry you know back then especially was guilty of just like you know the feeling of a successful hunt when you're successful yeah like the adrenaline's pumping it's exciting it's like really really you know, exciting but that doesn't mean the whole feel of the whole show needs to be like rock and roll in your face. do You know what I mean? So uh, Trevor was really good about like, you know, matching up the feel of, you know, the mood of what's going on in the hunt with the right music and pairing all that stuff together, the right visuals, the right audio and the right music was, you know, really what kind of immersed people into the show to, you know, sit down and and actually get, you know, get emotionally invested in it.
0: And then, you come out on camera and say, Hey, I'm Mike Hunsucker. Welcome to Heartland bow hunter. Or was, was that our first episode more of how the show's, you know, triggered today with really cool environmental shots. You see raindrops hitting a a flower. You might see the windshield. You might see the windshield wiper, you know, you see a tree blowing. you know, you're setting up that feel of, it might be, you know, three weeks before the season starts and you're getting a tractor out of the shed and you show, What that, you know, boots on the ground and, and the tractor starting and all that. I mean, that's what I've caught onto your show is that that's that feel, that's that intrigue that pulls people in, lets them live through you vicariously, feels like they're in that truck seat with you or in that tractor with you or in that boat with you. Are, are you do? Are you seeing that from day one? Did you and Sean sit down and say, look, man, we don't want to just have another run-of-the-mill hunting show, which there's a lot of good production in outdoor TV today. I'm not trying to say there's not, but you guys have been at the top for a long time, in my opinion, is at overall quality of production. So what what's that first scene look like? Is its it, is it you're, you're this younger Mike, version of Mike sucker and Sean's out there with you and you're like, hey, y'all, welcome to Canada or welcome to Missouri? Or was it more of what we see today with Harlan?
1: Uh, I, I would say it's more along the lines of what what you see today. Um, we we like I said, we just sat out and started filming everything because we were like the, the main thing was like people, you know, always approach us. They don't maybe they don't hunt. And they're like, kind of like, man, why are you so ate up with this hunting thing? Like, why are you so obsessed with it? And so, like, we kind of wanted to create something that, you know, portrays. To the, maybe, you know, somebody who doesn't know anything about hunting say like, this is why we hunt. Like, this is like, if you watch sit down and watch an episode, like you'll understand that this isn't just a, it's not about just killing something, you know, it's about a whole lifestyle and a whole passion. And so we filmed everything. Like I said, way overshot everything, way too much footage. But when it came time to put stuff together, we'd sit down and say, okay, like, how do we want to put this together? How do we want to tell this story? And um, so we, yeah, we, we definitely, you know, from the beginning, we knew we wanted to do it a little bit differently with a different approach, but we still, um, definitely have evolved. And if you see some of the early on episodes, you can, you'll see that in there, which at the time was revolutionary compared to now, like, like you said, there's, you know, tons of great production, you know, out there now, the content that people are producing now is better than ever before. So, um, you know, but at the time it was, it was, it was something new and it was something different. And, um, you know, we, we knew that. Another thing, we, we basically knew that, like, we kind of took a look at the hunting industry and said, like, okay, here's what we don't like about it, and here's what we're going to do differently to just basically do the opposite of what everybody else is doing kind of deal, just to do something different. Because that's, I mean, that's the only way to to actually, you know, stand out and actually grow and actually, you know, create a following is through actually, you know, having something unique. Being different. And so, yeah. And you yeah, got to, you got to, yeah. But here's the
0: deal with hunting though, is that there's still that whole redneck mentality is like, if you ain't killing, you ain't doing shit. Right. And then you're going to take some shit, right? right? Oh, do yeah. be honest. Like you're probably getting heckled some on internet and these haters, because I know to this day, one of my, the biggest insults that we get consistently still, and we're airing season 11 right now, getting ready to s- film for season 12 during this fall and winter. The main thing that we hear is show more killing. We want to see more ducks die. And I'm like, a monkey can kill a duck. They got a brain, the size of a sunflower seed. I, I trust me, I enjoy that part of it, but that's Phil Robertson and Coco were killing ducks on duckman one 20 years ago. You know, they were getting gadwalls and mallards in close and killing them. And so there's still that mentality though, it's like, it's kill, 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 kill. So you obviously are risking losing part of that viewer base, that audience, that potential consumer of your merchandise line, which we'll get into. Um, did it ever, did it ever like steer you away from your, your focus of being different?
1: It def, no, it definitely didn't, didn't steer us away, but I, I do remember vague. I I specifically remember getting those, you know, those few emails or comments or whatever, like, uh, like, I mean, we, we were for every negative comment, we were getting like 10 positives. So it, it didn't really affect too much, but it was like, I'll never forget. Like, it was like, this is back when we first started, like you said, there was no social media, but there was, you know, archery talk dot com and bowhunting.com the forums that was the big thing then and people like have you seen this new show harlan bowhunter blah 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 blah. like it's it's you know game changer it's revolutionary it's it's, it shows more about the hunt and then you get guys seen like you said yeah they don't kill anything though cool show like great footage but they don't kill don't kill anything it's like well actually i don't think and i'm pretty positive to this day we've never produced an episode where there's not a you know, not a kill in it. You've so. never
0: done that. You've mm. never ended a show without a harvest.
1: I don't think so. I yeah. would bet
0: money that you have. I don't think that we have. Really? I don't think so. Cause it seems to me like y'all would have some like to be continues or some cliffhangers or something.
1: No, I'm not, never been a big fan of that, like that stuff. And I don't, you know, I don't, I feel like i you know, you hate to say that it has to have a kill, but without, without some sort of like closure or resolution, you kind of feel you left you kind of leave the viewer feeling empty. And so right. I don't think that we have ever, and I may be wrong, but it, I know we haven't in a long, long time if we ever have. So, uh, but I, yeah, like you said, I'll never forget like some of those first comments. Like uh, that was the one comment, like, Oh, like they don't kill anything or like, Oh, it's just a bunch of music. It's like a music montage deal, which admittingly early on in the stages. Yeah. We used a lot of music and we still, we still do. Um, but it's not just like, why it's not is, just, is,
0: is music part a big part of your life?
1: I think it's, no, I just think it's part of the feel, like setting the mood and setting the tone. And, um, you know, we didn't want, like I said, we didn't want to be at the time when we were getting started. A lot of the, a lot of the hunting shows were kind of, you know, personality or ego, ego, ego driven, like guys that just like, you know, they footed the bill. They wanted to have a TV show. And, and, uh, so they were going to talk about how they were the greatest hunter of all time. And they, you know, they, uh, they don't ever miss and, uh, they're the real macho, you know, that side of things. And so like, um, that was just a turnoff for us of like the whole, the whole side of things. So we didn't want to be like out there in their face. We wanted to be, you know, relatable. We Honestly, we were just regular Joes, you know, just, still are. Yeah, we still are. I mean, we, that's, that's what I, all the time. Like, you know, we're just regular guys that love to hunt and love to produce, you know, content. And so, um, that part of it, like the, the relatable part, I think went a long way and people appreciate that. And I think, you know, when it comes down to consuming content and stuff, I think people either want to watch you know, something they can relate to and imagine themselves being a part of, or they want to watch something that's so outrageous or adventurous that they can aspire to one day, you know, maybe do that. And so, so
0: now you just hit on like shocky. Yeah, exactly. Most most Americans are never going to go to Iraq or Afghanistan and climb those mountains. And that's not, you know, I'm not saying that it couldn't happen, but I'm assuming there in a way, but most people don't get an opportunity to do that. Right. He's got a lot of, a lot of those kind of shows to where that's that, And he's successful. He's a badass. Yeah. But that's his audience. It's like, man, I don't know if I'll ever get to go to the Yukon and and, and shoot a moose or over. He goes everywhere. Or who, what
1: the heck is he hunting? Like, you know, I don't even know what he's hunting half the time, but like, yeah, it's about the.
0: And again, Jim takes a chance of turning off a a large part part of the audience of like, dude, nobody wants to see a little three pound deer get shot in Spain. You know, there's a lot of people like, you know, the big Western mule deer hunters that might not want to tune in for that, but right. he's, you know, so he's, there's, there's a lot of different content out there that's for everybody. But when you said that about the macho and the ego is like that you see, you saw that a lot. Uh, and, and I don't know if you still do. I don't know wh- you know, where, where TV production is today. It seems to me that a lot of people have gotten into more of a team-based deal, and there's not a whole lot of chest pumping. Is that fair to say, you think? I think
1: it's, yeah, definitely gotten, yeah, less for sure. And yeah. do you
0: think that you guys are partly responsible for and not for people not being egotistical or not humble in this sport? I, I always try to talk about the humility that I have in the woods of what it how it brings me to my knees. But do you think that when when producers turn on the outdoor channel or the sportsman's channel back in 2010, 11, and they see sucker and Sean doing what they're doing? Do you think that the, 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 this is kind of becomes a challenge to other producers in the arena?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I've I've heard it first first hand from some of them, you know, just like literally I, Michael Waddell, I'll never forget, like literally walked up to me and was like, "Thanks a lot, man. Like you made all of our job a lot harder. Now we got to now we got to work twice as hard and produce quality content and you know this and that and so um, You know, and he's a you know a one of the legends, yeah, one of the innovators, day. yeah, and and he's one of the originals of this sport. On a, and so. But
0: before you go off of that, I always talk about like, in my opinion, Mike, he's like the best on camera personality of all time in outdoor TV. Yeah, he's, and I don't know if you agree with that, but this just the way he is is captivating to me. And I'm not a deer hunter. Yeah, but I just like the way he that he treats the outdoors. I, I just like the way he promotes them. I like the way that he puts them on a pedestal. And he, I think that that's a huge sign of approval for you to have a guy like Michael Waddell come to you and say, you know, I could see him saying that. Yeah. Oh, you know, oh, thanks, yeah. man. Booger bottom's not even the same anymore. we got to work, <laughs> you know, 40 hours a week now. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, but he is a guy that you'd want that validation from.
1: Oh, yeah. No, it's extremely humbling. And he's, yeah, he's one of the best, really genuine dude. He's pretty cool. Yep.
0: Sure. I like him a lot. Yeah. So you have so you have people that are coming up to you now whether it's at Shot Show or ATA or a, a Bow Show or whatever, Bow Fest or whatever, they're saying, "Man, y'all are like making movies out there." Cuz that's what it that's kind of what it was like. It was kind of more of of a Discovery Channel, high quality Discovery Channel before there was shit TV even on Discovery Channel in my opinion. There was a lot of shows that were that were based on capturing that the essence of the scene and the, in the sounds and the smells and,
1: yeah. and, all of
0: the senses of it. And that's what you guys started to do.
1: Yeah. It was a, uh, uh, high quality production on a shoestring budget.
0: <laughs> Not anymore.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, it's the hunting industry. So, yeah. you
0: know, that. <laughs> so <laughs> you know. talk about the financial part of it though. It's like, here we are 11 or 12 years later, you're in your mid thirties. You have kids, you have a wife here in Kansas city. Sean's got a wife. Does he have kids? Yep, Sean. You guys boy. are raising families now. I'm, I assume your other two partners have families. Yep. How in the heck are you guys making money? Like, is it is it is it to where the HB brand is carrying the merchandise line? Is it all come from sponsorships? Or do you have a speaking engagement tour that you get tons of money to go out and do appearances? Is all of that wrapped up into this one bank account to where at the end of the year everybody gets? And I'm not trying to get personal. I don't sure. want all the details, but. Is are you making a hundred percent of your livelihood off of Heartland Bow Hunter?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, in a roundabout way, yeah. I mean, um, you know, it's kind of a combination of all things that you mentioned. So, um, and I'll never forget early on when we were starting the show. I'll never forget a, a couple of different people in the industry saying, "You'll never make money on a hunting show. Like, you'll never, you won't make money." And
0: You know, for for the most part, they could be right. Oh yeah. And most of them don't do what all have done.
1: If we, yeah, if we, it's difficult, it's hard to do, but our business model, the way it works is set up. It works, works out to where we do and we can. And, um, but I could see where, you know, if you, you know, come in and you have a, you know, a half million dollar a year hunt budget planned out where you're going to go to all these crazy hunts and expensive hunts. Well, yeah, you're not going to make any money, but you know, starting out, especially, you know, we're hunting, you know, white tails on property that. You know, we have permission on, we don't, you know, we're not leasing a bunch of ground. We don't own much ground, uh, you know, friends and family kind of deal. We have a team of guys. And so like, you know, everybody kind of has their own spots and their own, you know, their own spots to hunt. And so like the hunt budget wasn't a factor, you know, um, from an equipment standpoint, it was kind of like, you know, you, you want to do this, you want to be a part of this, like, you know, you need to invest in the equipment. And so like we paid, like Sean and I, you know, aside from the, uh, you know, business, our own out of our own pockets paid for our, you know, early equipment early on Skylar, Clayton, all the guys, like everybody just, you know, if you want to be a part of this, like you got to invest and get some camera equipment. And fortunately, you know, it didn't, it wasn't too long into the deal where, you know, stuff got a little more affordable and, uh, you know, camera equipment got way, way more affordable, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, if you run things a certain way, you know, yeah, of course you won't, you know, it's tough to make money, but, um, we were fortunate to have a model that supported that. And, um, you know, so, the, so the show sponsorships is a, is a big portion of that. Um, and then, like you said, we do, you know, handful, uh, meet and greet, you know, or, uh, speaking engagement appearances at trade shows, that type of stuff. That's not a huge thing anymore, especially if you, I feels like, um, why and, is that? You know, I think with, I don't know, I think with social media and, and, um, you know, this, everybody being more accessible, you know, if somebody, you know, eight, 10 years ago wanted to come meet me or talk to me about you know, a hunt that I went on, you got to come to the trade show and and do it. You know, now they just send you a message on Instagram and, and, you know, we try to reply and, and, and stay in touch that way. So people are way more accessible now than they, than they were, I guess, in the, in the past. And so, um, not to mention too, like, you know, as much as we travel and we're gone and we have families, like you said, like, you know, it's got to make sense if we're going to be gone and, and away from our families. And so, um, you know, I'd like to spend my time away doing what I love, you know, chasing, Me too. chasing deer, you know, not that I don't I actually do love the trade shows and I'm actually a huge people person. Like I, I love meeting people, talking to people. Um, but I'd also like being in the solitude of the woods and, and hunting too. So,
0: <laughs> right. I, I mean, I see what you're saying, but in an underlying fashion, I think, I think that the trade shows can become very monotonous. And I think that in this, <clears throat> in this niche or this space that we're in, you almost have to protect yourself from getting that the the ideology or the thought process of oh man not again kind of deal it's like I I remember driving through Nebraska when I was younger playing college baseball or whatever it was and like literally thought I was going to Disneyland when I got to the Cabela's parking lot and now you drive and I know that you're partnering with Cabela's this has nothing to do with Cabela's or Bass Pro or anything it's just like Oh, geez, another one. It kind of like, it's like they're everywhere now. They're, it's just kind of like what you said in the meet and greet. There used to be a destination in Sydney, Nebraska, that people would get the catalog and they'd be like, someday I'm going to go get a picture with that big bronze elk right there. Someday I'm going to be there. And now it's like, you just, you know, you see them on every corner almost to where you're seeing a Bass Pro or they're, they're, the retail locations are out there a lot. So there was a time in my career to where, you know, we'd come to the Kansas City Cabela's and their Waterfowl Classic was huge. Well, now it's nothing anymore. The, the Cabela's really doesn't even have them anymore. Rogers has got a strong one now. And, you know, things have evolved and things have changed now to where I think you're right. People, you know, the, 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 the access that people have and the ability they have to get you to talk to them or get a message to you kind of the, the, the days of getting, you know, a lot of people that are going to travel to see one of these shows are not there because they can go to a Cabela's at any time. There was a time when we were winning 20,000 in a goose calling competition, and there was thirty, sixty, fifty—you know, however many competitors in it. Yeah. And now that you know, you just don't see that many contests out there. So everything changes. And where I'm going with that hunsucker is in 2019, right now. Do you think that if you and Lucktel are sitting down with this plan? Can somebody become successful in outdoor TV starting right now? Is is the, is the model still the same or would you? Ha- I know that you're going to say, well, you got to really be social, social media based. You got to have different platforms. And you do have different platforms and other shows that are on different areas, or, you know, different platforms for people to get that content. But right now today, you know, you see a lot of guys that are out there with these web based things and, and short movies and stuff like that. Are the days of a Michael Waddell or a Michael Huntsucker Sean Luck Tell over to where you develop a TV show and have a national presence? Or do you think it's all gonna be what can you get out there on social media now? And and, and how are you gonna get people to see it now?
1: Yeah, it's um it's definitely gotten more difficult. Uh, like you said, you know, everybody is producing better stuff. Um and everybody wants to do it, you know. It's it's a it, this is a passion industry, and so obviously, you know, who doesn't want to hunt? You know, produce a TV show and hunt all the time, you know. And and granted, you know, you know, it's much more than that. And neither one of us hunt for a living, so right. you know, we there's a lot more to it than that. But, um, you know, so many people want to do it and be a part of it that it makes it difficult. And now I think, yeah, I think it's more difficult than ever. Um, that being said you know, the advent of social media, um, it's been good and bad. I mean, it's, it's the barrier to entry is much less now than it ever has been before. If you, um, you know, you're not gonna, you know, granted, if you go out and, you know, you want to invest and do a TV show right away, obviously it's going to take some funds and stuff to to get started up. But, you know, if you're just a guy that produces content that is want to take a run at it, you think you got something really unique and original. And I mean, you start up a Instagram account, you start up a Facebook account, you start posting content and, you're going to find out real quick, you know, whether what you, you have is unique or not, or whether you, you know, you, you think you're going to make a run at it. So, um, we get people all the time that ask, you know, how do how do I get started in the industry? And, um, y- you know, I, I think, um, you know, just, just getting yourself out there and, you know, getting your name out there and, and, um, you know, starting to build a following is the, is the best, the best start. Um, although, and this is kind of a sidebar, but it's just, I don't mean to go on a rant, but like the whole social media side of things has almost been like, for me at least like overwhelming. Like there's just so much content out there all the time that like, you know, and, and we're in a different position where we kind of keep up on some of that stuff. Cause that's our livelihood. It's our industry. But like, it's, it's almost a point where like, there's almost, there's only so much content that can be consumed, you know? Yeah. And so it's almost like, dang, like, man, there's just so much stuff out there. There's more than, more than people can consume or care about, you know? So it's, it's definitely saturated. It's definitely saturated. But, um, that being said, I, I, you know, I hate to, I, I, I I pride myself with being pretty honest and straightforward with, with people, you know, you know, no, no bullshit. I just cut right to it. And, but I don't want to like discourage people that are excited about, you know, being involved in the industry because it is a great industry and there's so many great people and it's, you know such such a great industry to be a part of you hate to discourage people but you don't want to give them false hope either and be like oh yeah man like yeah make a run out, it spend a bunch of money and you'll be good yeah. <laughs> kind of deal
0: so what does it mean to you what does it mean to you with this insta famous hunter too do you ever do you ever think about that of the credibility that social media gives to somebody without any credibility ever being established before they get to go sell a holster or I say it all the time. Like you got the hot chick deal, you know, you got, you're a hot chick and I'm not a sexist. I think I love when I see girls out hunting, I think it's awesome. I've hunted with tons of women, right? There's tons of women that are way better hunters than me, but with social media now, it seems like you have so much of promo code this and my likes are this. And my followers are followers are up to this are all of these directors of marketing and all of our hunting companies. Now, are they blindfolded or are they just geared or focused towards, man, we want somebody that's got 150,000 likes that we can get as many. You know, what, you know, where I'm going with that. Do you ever Does it ever, does it ever become a topic of conversation for your team?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I honestly think there's a lot of confusion going on right now. Um, that's a good way to put it. It's an, It's just, it's a, it's a, from an industry standpoint, it's a weird, really weird, interesting time. I mean, people are consuming content so many different ways um, all across the board that, you know, from a marketing standpoint, a lot of companies are like, okay, like how, how do we really, you know, best allocate our dollars to, you know, to get the best return. And, um, so I think there's a lot of confusion and, and, um, what, what seems obvious on the surface of, okay, this person has a lot of big following. We'll, you know, spend some money with them and, and, uh, you know, make a run at it and, you know, see how it goes. And, you know, there's a lot of shady stuff that goes on too. You know, there's a lot of fake, you know, fake accounts, switching names and, uh, people, you know, buying followers. And so like, there's a whole side of it that just makes it super complex and even more difficult to to comprehend. And so, um, I think people are just in a stage right now and I know I'm in a stage right now where I'm, I'm ready for, you know, one platform to rise above. And, um, you know, things were a lot simpler when, you know, it was a TV show and there wasn't social media and there wasn't, you know, YouTube and, and Amazon prime and Instagram and, you know, all the different platforms. It was a lot more simple. Um, and I think everybody's just trying to make a run at it because they're like, okay, we got to get, the, we have to be on board with the next best thing. And it, it only makes sense. Um, so I'm just, yeah, I'm just really, I'm hopeful that in the so near what do future, you hope for?
0: what do you want? What do you, I've said it about a month or five weeks ago that, man, it'd be so awesome if we can just get back to TV and have, have, the good old days of getting in front of the TV and watching shows become prolific again. And I understand you're going to have your Netflixes and your Hulu's and all of your different platforms to get that content. But if you, what, if you had it your way, what would it be? Do you want to see it get back to how it was? Because I mean, how a lot of my days consume now I'm, I'm, I, I don't want to be on social media, Mike. I don't do anything personally on social media. So it's like, why do you want to, we have to build a brand. We can't be ignorant. We have to be in there and evolving with it. But it's like nonstop that you got to like, feel like you're keeping up with the Joneses. How many posts do I do? How many stories do I do? How many likes and impressions and engagement am I trying to get? How many reports do I need to fill out and get here? I also got to get my ratings from Nielsen and RimTrack and I got to get those from the network and I got to, there is a ton of work that goes into this. But if you quit doing social media right now, would Botech call you tomorrow and say, dude, what man? we've seen a huge dip in sales. Mike, you need to start posting some more. I don't know what the right answer is. Yeah. I don't know if Bowtech's really paying attention to how, of, of what you're doing. I know they know you have a presence, but how much, how much of this freaking keyboard on a, on a smartphone is Mike Hunsucker have to do when you've already established yourself as a credible producer, post-producer, hunter, host, businessman, entrepreneur, how much do you really want to be doing of that tedious keyboard and on a social media platform. And I know that you don't have a big agency doing it for you because that becomes unauthentic too. If, if you're trying to build the HP brand, you don't want somebody sitting in a cubicle in Manhattan going, all right, today's post is going to be Mike making gator stew. It's like, you got to have a, you got to have a say in what's going on. So in one way or the other, you're involved in all of that on social media and it gets tedious.
1: I don't do any of that. We just hunt for a living.
0: <laughs> see, that's the way that that's the, I, I understand the mindset of it, but yeah. you, you, the, the social media deal is, is a, is a grind.
1: Yeah, no, I mean the whole thing, yeah, the whole, I mean, it's a lot of work and it's, like I said, it's a passion sport. I, we love what we do. I wouldn't have it any other way, but it is a lot of work. It's, it's, and it's become a lot more work than it has been in the past. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, you know, the, the, we, we need it all. We need We need the digital reach. We need the social media reach. We need the television reach. Um, We work with a number of different companies. They all have different thoughts and perspectives and ideas on how they want to market and how they want to reach people. And for us, you know, I I think the most important thing is for us to reach as many people as possible. Um, That's our goal is to, you know, to, to reach as many people as possible and, um, you know, continue to do that. So right now that involves 12 different platforms of different sizes and shapes and everything's, you know, custom tailored to each outlet and so it's complex but um
0: give me the infrastructure of your business model where, where where are you at uh personnel wise can you tell me that is it a is it a big is it a big studio here in kansas city where you got 20 editors working right now on content
1: no 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 so we have uh we have a group of eight guys um that are a part of the team um that that hunt and film and you know produce and then we have uh two different um well, let's see, let's see, we have four, I would say four different guys that are basically full-time between production and and field production and post-production, and so what we've kind of found really what works the best for us, we do have one full-time editor, all he does is edit solely, um, then we have a couple hybrid guys that film and edit, and that's kind of like the best role, because obviously we're gone a lot in the fall, um, traveling a lot, filming a lot, but in the summertime months, you know, late spring, summertime months, uh, is more of you know downtime as far as filming goes is concerned, but also it's a really heavy production time for third and fourth thor- third and fourth quarter uh t v episodes there and so um that hybrid model kind of works works really well um but yeah i mean we have a yeah we have an office here in kansas city and and um yeah we have a lot of guys that you know great team that that you know help us make this work because it takes it takes a team so um you know it's it's definitely a lot a lot involved and You know, I'm hopeful, like I said, someday, I don't know, you know, you you look at Netflix and Amazon Prime, I think of the big two that kind of are really making it run. And Netflix, I I actually uh, um, assumed that and wrongfully assumed that uh, there would be more Prime members than Netflix members. And actually, there's more Netflix members. Uh, But I was thinking, you know, every time I buy something on Amazon Prime, they're like, hey, did you know? you have access to Amazon prime video for free. And like, they're always promoting it to like get people on board and they're starting to create original content and they're behind the ball. I think you know, Netflix was one of the first, you know, out of the gate. And so um, I think they're kind of the, the leader at the, at the moment, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that all shakes out. Cause Amazon prime right now is they're making a run for it and they're investing a lot of money, putting a lot of money towards it. And I guarantee you, the company that Amazon is their beast. And so they're going to either make it work or they're going to throw in the towel either way, you know, they're not going to have
0: hunting content on Amazon prime already.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, we put out some of our stuff on Amazon prime, some of our digital stuff. that's exclusive or not exclusive, but original, original content aside from our, of our linear shows. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's some handful of stuff on Netflix as well. Netflix is, is a, uh, is a pitch program. So you, you know, you have to pitch the, the, the series to them and then they have to license it from you. So they buy the series from you, you know, based on agreed upon, you know, price based on what they think, you know, it's worth, I guess. And so, um, Amazon prime, there's a couple of different ways you can do it. You can do like, uh, like we put, put our stuff out there for free. So if you're an Amazon prime member, you can get on, you can, you can watch it for free anywhere. Um, you can also do like a, a subscription base where you people, you, you can, uh, you can actually buy it uh, buy the content. And so there's a couple different ways you can do it, but yeah. Um, you know, we put our stuff on iTunes too, and, um, you know, we sell it on iTunes too. And so there's just, um, man, there's just so many different platforms. And so it's, it's, it's great because, you know, it, it, the content's out there, it's readily available. What makes it difficult is I think, you know, people want to, they want to consume content on whatever platform they're the most comfortable with. Like, you know, if they're comfortable with, you know, Netflix, then they're going to probably won't, you know, mo- watch most of their stuff on Netflix. If they're comfortable with Facebook, then that's probably where they're going to watch most of it. And so you can't just, you can't just have one, you can't just go after one platform because you're going to leave a lot of, a lot of people behind.
0: So you guys as a company are trying to hit on a lot of those platforms right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, we're just trying to divide and conquer really. And uh, like I said, it's a lot, it's a lot of work, but um, you know, I think it's uh, overall, you know, we're because of that, you know, we're generating more impressions. We're, you know, having a greater reach. Um, but, uh, there's, I'm sure it'll get to a point to where we're going to say, okay, like let's focus on the ones that really move the needle for us and let's move on from the ones that we don't think are, are worth it.
0: Right. And are you constantly studying those numbers and getting reports and figuring out as the leader in the business structure of, of where, you know, the, your, your time's the most spent? Because I mean, if you're, it takes a lot of time just to get this, you know, this custom footage edited. And then you got to take the, you know, the process of getting it uploaded or, you know, getting it, getting it up to their server for it to air. And then you got to do the promotion behind it and marketing behind that. Hey, now all of our stuff's available over here. Swipe up for this or swipe down for that or, or whatever. So there's a lot of work that comes along with making that decision of like, man, we're not happy just being on the outdoor channel we're not just happy with our website and we're not just happy with Instagram. Now we're going to have a Facebook series. We're going to have a, a Amazon prime series. We're going to have a couple episodes available on iTunes. It's, it's, it's a lot of work to get, even get it into those f- sectors. So is that your, is that what you're doing mainly during the day when it's not hunting season is getting, is getting all that established?
1: Yeah. I mean, we have, like I said, we have a, luckily we have a pretty good system down and we have a great group of, uh, of guys that kind of each have their own role. And so, everybody kind of focuses on their kind of core competency and, and, and that really helps everything flow. And, and Sean and I really, I mean, we're all over the place, but yeah, we're trying to, you know, continually to, you know, do better and create better stuff and and make sure that we're putting stuff in the right places and, and um, you know, focusing on, you know, what really, really matters for us. And so um, it's constantly a battle and it's always, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what the best next move is. And, um, so there's, yeah, it's a never, it's a never ending battle for sure.
0: So what, right now you're getting, it's almost September. You guys are probably getting ready for a few hunts. I don't know if you've already had an antelope hunt or not, but as archery hunters, you, you know, historically that starts in August, September. So is the, is the videography become important right now? Or did it become important in during the, the planting season of some food plots are you constantly sitting down and going, all right, here's our whiteboard. I want to get into the actual physical production of, of HB now, of how you these episodes come to life. Um, is it like, hey, we got to show Sean out planting because we're going to use that – To show when we do kill a deer on this food plot we want to show that it wasn't just like oh hey there was a lot of sweat equity that went into this so are you sitting down when does that take place are you are you targeting that are you are you scheduling that out on a whiteboard and saying all right we we have an idea for an episode we drew a utah tag here's how we're going to do it or we got this this new lease in missouri this is how we're going to do it to build that entire episode into where when that logo comes across that screen and we hear reckless kelly and that raindrop falls that scene that we're seeing was thought out and it wasn't just, Oh, pick up the camera and grab this because you know, it's, it's time to go scouting. You guys are constantly like scheduling that out, right? Logistically.
1: Yeah. It's definitely all premeditated to it, to an extent. Um, I mean, we know every year, you know, we're always working on the farm. We're always, we're always doing stuff. So we're planting food plots. We're, um, you know, doing different stuff on the farm. And so, but we also know there's so much work that needs to be done and we don't need, You know, twenty hours of us planting food plots. So we know that okay, you know, get up there, just just for an example, food plots. All right, we're gonna knock out food plots. You know, ninety percent of the day, and then okay, you know, we're gonna film we're gonna film a food plot scene here. You know, when the lighting's nice and everything looks good, and we'll you know we'll we'll uh, we'll go you know clear stains out of ten or clear stands out of ten different stands, and then we'll you know film one or two. You know, so we don't need we've kind of figured out like. Uh, I told I talked about how early on how we just filmed everything and just filmed so much, had way more than we ever need. We've got to the point where we're a little more efficient. We know what we need, what we don't need, and uh, we can kind of focus on that type of stuff. But yeah, we're, you know, throughout the whole year, we're, you know, pretty on a regular basis filming, you know, here and there, off and on, um, even in the off season.
0: So what does that mean as far as your videography? You if if you have the tag you pick sean's automatically nominated for i'll be running the camera on this hunt or you guys are like hey sean are you gonna be able to get these dates off is is do you have a production team that is always ready to go because you said that you have guys that do both you have hybrids you have one full-time editor are these two hybrid guys they're like yeah we're ready to go on whatever trip you say and then we'll start editing it up. Uh, you know, there's a lot of work that a videographer does on the road. You said that that's the best kind, that hybrid. I agree, because if a guy has the ability and the talent to edit, but he can also capture that hunt, you know, with, with a lot of good artistic feel through the camera, then he's already got a head start when he goes to upload that footage and start laying down the episode one, he was there Two, He knew the senses and the feel of everything, the atmosphere, the personality of what's going on. And now he can sit there and go, all right, this is what me and Mike and I were seeing while we were out in Utah. we were out in Colorado. So that's a good place to be in. But are these guys readily available or are you like always like, man, I got to find an independent contractor. I got to make some calls right now to make sure I have a cameraman ready to go. I got to make sure that he's got a good kit or I got to make sure that all my lenses and all my cameras are ready to go. My tripods, my wireless mics, there's so much shit that goes into a trip. Your Pelican cases, it looks like a military going into these hunts a lot of the times. I know ours do. Yeah. Obviously we run a lot of cameras on a waterfowl hunt because we don't have to pack them up a hill to check and elk like you guys are doing but how does that all lay out right now do you and is it is it like hey i'm the owner you guys are going to film me first do you ever film anymore or is it based on a as is it an as need basis or how does it work
1: yeah we have uh, um so we we kind of schedule most of our stuff out um obviously our stuff like hunting in missouri and stuff it's like kind of weather-based or we're gonna hey we're gonna go up to the farm for a few days and hunt um so it all kind of depends um but yeah, so I basically hunt the majority with Brandon, who's my full-time camera guy, and then Sean hunts with um, Joel most of the time too. So uh, we kind of have the guys that we work with, and we kind of plan, plan those schedules out in advance and uh, kind of you know line everything out as best as possible. Of course, you know we try to work around you know like I said the weather and everything like like that. But um, when we first started out, Sean and I were just filming each other like exclusively, basically. So we would. Uh, kind of take turns on hunts or trips or whatever. And, uh, we would film each other. Um, and then it got to the point to where, you know, we were needing to hunt and produce so much content, um, that it made sense for us to kind of, you know, get guys that that tag along with us. But yeah, we stuff, we definitely still, you know, film quite a bit, um, for our show and, you know, outside of that for other, for other stuff, Sean hunts a lot with his dad, you know? And so, um, it's kind of cool for him to be able to spend time with his dad and hunt. And so he'll film him when he hunts and, Um, you know, they can bond and bicker and yell at each other and, you know, do the father son thing. So, (laughs) but uh, yeah, so yeah, so we definitely, yeah, we definitely still are involved in the, in the, uh, you know, video production side of things too as well, but we kind of just bounce around and and, and make it work. And um, like I said, we, we got good guys. And so like, it's, it's us, a a day at work with us is just kind of like my wife loves to say, like, you know, having a bad day with the kids. She's like, Oh, you're just hanging out drinking beer with your friends. I'm like, well, that's my job. So <laughs> no, but uh, no, we no. It's it's seriously great. Like great group of guys and great dynamic, and we all get along great. And so it really is a lot of fun. It is. It's with when, all of
0: these guys you're talking about, and I'm, I'm I'm going back to the shows. Is you have a lot of different people that can be hunting. It could be Sean's dad. It could be um, the what's the the good looking little guy's name? The Skyler. The Skyler. <laughs> he's you know he's like the little firecracker guy. But
1: yeah, he hunts a lot with his dad too. You know. And, so are and, these
0: guys? Are they compensated? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So our, um, our guys are compensated. The guys that are on the team, obviously with, I mean, number one, lots of gear, you know, gear and opportunities through hunts and stuff. We line hunts up and, um, we try to, as you know, as we've grown the company, we've tried to, you know, continue to do more, um, to, you know, help those guys out and reward those guys because it is a lot of work. And as you know, you know, second year, third year, you know, it's all exciting, brand new, it's fun. And, And And it gets to a point to where the, the honeymoon phase is over and it becomes work. And I'm not complaining or saying it's unenjoyable by any means. It's still badass. It's awesome. It's great. But the newness wears off just like anything. And so, um, these guys, you know, we try to continue to motivate them to be better, to create, you know, better content. And so, um, you know, we've tried a handful of different ways over the time of aside from just, okay, here's a check for, you know, for being a part of the team. Thanks. You know, kind of deal. And so, um, yeah, I mean there there's there's definitely, you know, a lot of benefits and and um you know it, it takes the right guy. It takes people that are in it for the right reason because anybody of these guys could be, you know, making more money doing something else. As could I and Sean, I'm sure. So um you know, why do you do it? Because I love it. It's it's because we love it. Why do you it's, love it?
0: Because you get to hunt a lot?
1: No, I, I actually like everything about it. Like from I love getting to hunt quite a bit. I love the relationships and the people in the industry. I love um the, the whole business side of things. I really really enjoy all of that. And so um you know, I've known always from the beginning I wanted to be, you know, an entrepreneur, small business owner, that type of stuff and um I just happened to find something that really aligns with my passion and I've kind of turned it into a a job as well. And so uh trust me, yeah, if I didn't if I didn't really enjoy it, I wouldn't do it because I work more way more hours than, you know, uh, it, it it never stops really it never it really never stops so um but i just love the i love the variety and the it's always something different and um I do wish I could shoot waterfowl a little more often yeah. but <laughs> but uh no i yeah I, as, I,
0: as of most big game hunters do sure yeah <laughs> so
1: but you know i i and and more you know recently too we've done we've got to branch out and do some more different hunts, and like my so we were talking about hunting schedules and stuff. And so my first hunt is actually going to be a mountain goat hunt on Kodiak Island, um, Alaska. And so Sean and I both threw that same tag. And so we were both going up there to hunt for our first hunt of the year. I've never mountain goat hunted in my life. I've never really sought out to mountain goat hunt. Um, but I love new adventures, love new experiences. And, uh, one of our good buddies from high school, uh, another high school tie is, uh, is a guy named Cole Kramer who actually, I went up and did the brown bear hunt with a couple years ago. And so I've been we've been putting in with him for the mountain Go tag and drew it, and so that's going to be our first hunt this year. so it's just stuff like that that's new and fresh and different and um, it's it's always exciting, no matter you know what the trip or what the species might be you're going after. I just you know really, really enjoy being out there.
0: Do you ever worry with the state of TV and the state of the confusion that we just touched on a few minutes ago that you're the biggest worry in my mind in this industry, and it always has been. Well, one of the big stresses was on location. You're spending money. Um, you, I want sunshine and it rains. I need wind and it's still for four days in a row. The migration hasn't come. I scheduled this hunt way too far out in advance. I probably should have just got in, in, in the truck when I knew the ducks were going to be there. I got all these videographers laid out. I got all this food being flown in. I got all this gear being flown in, the logistics of it. We've gotten better. I'm not saying that it's, that it's not a lot better these days than it was in the beginning phases of the brands, but... I always worried about the financial part of it being on site because, and I think that that's one of the things that you probably saw early that, man, we can make a story here where we don't have to really show four kills an episode and we can catch that. So that's a good thing. Financially and economically, that's a good mindset right there and a good business plan approach. And we take, we've taken that on a lot. The biggest worry I have now is that CMO or that marketing guy at a company is going to wake up and get an email from the CEO saying, budget's cut. We need to start shaving off here because Donald Trump's doing a great job. We're not, we don't, we're not selling as many guns because there's not enough worry. There's no worry with the bow markets a little bit stagnant right now because we know every bow company's released 15 new bows in the last two years. I'm just talking smack. I don't know what the facts are right here, Mike. I'm just saying like, do you worry about that all the time of, of getting that email or getting that phone call? Like, man, we need to shave back here because you shave back a little bit here. And this guy shaves back a little bit here. That's taken off of the HB bottom line every day. And that's how you're paying these guys like skyler and and everybody to go out and get this content that you guys are producing. That's my biggest worry is that that's out of our control. We can lay down the best. We can be an asset in my mind, we're an asset. We're a great value partner to a lot of our partners, all of our partners. But at any given day, budgets can be cut in in business you know business America. so is that a big worry to you uh, you know i
1: don't I don't worry too heavily about much honestly um but also, I'm not dumb. I know, you know, I know that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we, we have bills to pay and, and, and money to, to, to make. And so um, there definitely is, you know, there is that element of out of control, stuff that's out of your control. And so um, my, my old high school football coach always used to say, don't worry about the things that you can't control. And like, that's some of my favorite advice. Cause like, you know, if, if you're doing your best and you're out there and you're You know, you're, you know, you're, you know, doing everything you can and that's really all you can do. And so, um, that being said, yeah, there's always that looming, um, you know, thought of, of, of some changes on the horizon that may, you know, blindside somebody. And so some of that, you know, it's just, I think it gets back to the relationship side of things, honestly. Like I love building the relationships with the companies that we work with and we've been fortunate enough to, you know, work with people that we want to work with and, um, you know, I love that, that, that relationship and it gives you some security at the end of the day. You know, I mean, um, a lot of the the companies we work with and the, and the guys that are running the marketing side of things have become friends. And, um, you know, if there is anything on the horizon, we have a close enough relationship to say, okay, like there's going to be some changes going, here's what's going on. But at the end of the day, like we get back to the, you know, the, some of the conglomeration and some of the consolidation in the industry, there's a lot of big companies evolved and, Um, you know, just like that, the, 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 your point of contact may be gone and somebody else may come in and there may be a change. And so,
0: well, that's part of what I was saying is like any, any of that can change, you know, structurally for these companies to where it's not like you are selling a product to where you have it. I mean, I guess everything is, you know, market related or market based, but I've just always thought like, man, a lot of the income that is coming into the HB business model is for marketing for Advertising mm-hmm. to where they could split that up between different ways with all of the different ways of getting that footage out there. What are you doing to? Are you doing it to where you're becoming that well oiled machine that offers everything that they're going to need? If they need a photo shoot done, can my cunsucker have a badass photographer to go out and take his bowtech bows and get action shots? And you guys are doing all of that, right? Yeah. I mean, we have a really,
1: it, it gets back to the, stability and and, be, and the and the uh, insurances of us having such a uh, diverse business model that, you know, we don't get, there's no one stream of income that like is going to affect overall too much. You know what I mean? So, um, and that's, I think that's just smart, you know, smart business. It's just it gets, you know, get, get back to like investing and having a diverse portfolio and that type of stuff. I mean, it just, never putting too many eggs in one basket so to speak and so um you know it it ebbs and flows there's always you know there's always changes on the horizon stuff happens um you know we do a lot of production business on the side um whether it's you know tv commercials we produce two other tv shows and branding films and that stuff is kind of incremental like especially like the you know production work you know it kind of you know one year we may have you know 10 projects the next year we may only have six and so like uh there's a lot of ebb and flow in all of it and so yeah, it's, I think it's important to just, yeah, make sure that we are diverse and across the board have multiple streams of, of income because um, changes do happen and, and uh, budgets get cut and, and things change.
0: And you're ready for any of that to happen, meaning that you see the longevity of your brand or your tenure in this industry. This is where you're going to make your living for the rest of it. You, you could say that in confidence right now that that HB and Mike Hunsucker and Sean Lucktail are going to be in this industry for many years to come. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I definitely do. I definitely do. And I definitely think, you know, this is an industry that, um, you know, people that have been in it a long time, um, like you and I have, and, and Michael Waddell and, and some of the big name, you know, Jim Shockey and some of those those big names that have been around a long time. Um, There's a lot of longevity there. You know, it's not like, not like a baseball career or, or you know, where you, you know, or like even like the reality side, like reality TV show side of things, like the Duck Dynasty thing, like that blew up and was huge. And then, you know, kind of fizzles out. And, and so I feel like, uh, this is an industry where, you know, we're going to continue to evolve and change and learn as we go. Um, but it is something, like I said, that we're extremely passionate about. And so I I think that, you know, it's something that we're going to continue to be a part of as long as we can be at least
0: with all of the different ways of getting your content and all of the different ways that millennials or the younger generation are, are getting it through, um, YouTube TV you got so many different we've talked about this already we don't need to rehash it but why are you still on TV why are you still on traditional outdoor channel TV with all of the things that are said about TV's dead and I'm like really because the super bowl still on there and and McDonald's is paying 4.3 million for a 30 second commercial there and you watch tv right now whether it's A&E or NBC or ABC or IFC or all of these different networks you're seeing the most iconic brands in the world in the history of the business world advertise on traditional tv so you as an insider of this why are you still on tv when you could take that 22 minute episode or that 30 minute episode or a 25 minute short movie and go put it somewhere else, do your advert, do your market or do your sponsors or partners still want to see you on traditional TV? Are you hard headed and you're not going anywhere, even though it doesn't make sense? Why are you still on the outdoor channel?
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we definitely wouldn't do it if it didn't make sense. Um, you know, I, I think that people have been talking about, it. it's been a hot topic for a long time and like uh, past at least three or four years. And, you know, cord cutting and TV's dead and this and that. And, and, um, you know, there's definitely been changes in the way that people consume content, but at the end of the day, you know, it it all depends on the people that you're reaching and marketing towards. And, and, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's going to be more of a generational type transition. Honestly, I think that, you know, a lot of the younger generation are consuming content on the you know digital platforms, different ways on social media, but I still think, you know, the, you know guys that are 35 to 40 you know 35 and above are still consuming traditional television and guess who is the guy who's got all the money to spend on nice. on a ram truck brand new ram truck mm-hmm. you know it's not the millennial that's flipping through instagram so um that being said you know there is a lot of reach that people do care about on the digital side of things too that so you know we work with a lot of different companies and they all have different you know like i said outlooks on the situation um, but there's definitely, um, value to, to all of it. In my opinion, um, it's gotten thinner. A lot of fat's been trimmed and it's, and it's kind of changed kind of the, the, the approach that we've taken. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't see that changing in the immediate future.
0: So when, when you say that is, is that coming from your your point of view or do you go and sit down with your partners and they tell you, Mike, we want, we need you still here. The numbers make sense. We're not going to sponsor HB or partner with, I hate saying sponsor. It's yeah. more of that. It's a friendship. It's a partnership. It's not just taking a logo and slapping it somewhere and saying, Oh yeah, we, we eat wonder bread. We're, we're partners. You know, you, you the people that you run with, you know, I'm sure you've hunted with the leaders of Bowtech I'm, I'm, would bet money you have. Right. Yeah. So you've shared very intimate hunting camps with a lot of these people are they telling you TV's still there? Or do they look at you at SHOT Show and go, really? What what are you doing? Why don't you just take all this and go here? Or is the consensus like they're 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 there, the numbers still make sense. There's a place for it. And we're hoping that it comes back bigger, or are you just making that decision on your own? Yeah, no, we
1: try to uh yeah, we try to have those conversations with our partners and um, you know, feel them out on their, you know, their thoughts. We try to, you know, we try to make everybody happy and give everybody kind of what they want. And, um, so yeah, we definitely consider their opinions and thoughts on on the situation. But like, for example, Ram trucks is one of our partners. And like, you know, if we didn't have the television show, the linear side of things, I don't know that they would be a partner. Um, they may be on a smaller scale, maybe, but, um,
0: when you say Ram trucks, are you talking about Joe Bob's dealership in Kansas city or are you actually working with the corporate office no, it's, of, yeah. do- of
1: Ram? Yeah. So it's, no, it's Ram corporate. So that's awesome. Um, is yeah. that
0: a, is Dodge Ram, is Dodge and Ram the same thing or is Ram? Same,
1: same ownership. But yeah, they've, I see what they do. They rebranded it. Ram's four, the truck line. Yeah. Okay. Four or five years so ago. So you
0: guys have a corporate sponsorship at partnership with ram trucks right. and you're saying that a brand like that one of the most iconic brands in trucks there's three of them really you're you're saying you don't think that they would be a partner with hunsucker and lucktail if you guys weren't on tv
1: yeah I, I i don't think they would not not in the level they are now at least so um and there's others you know like i said like Botec is one of them that that um you know recognizes the value of the linear reach and the, and um they are changing ways that they um are doing things to kind of keep track and monitor stuff outside of the rating system, um, and uh, but they yeah they they still realize the the value in it. It's the value's changed. It's different, um, uh, but it's still extremely valuable in, in their eyes, and it's, and they've seen it in the results of, of sales. So,
0: um, would you say that your your model as far as the on TV part of it? Are you a host? you consider yourself a host or is HB more about where you're at in the animal that you're pursuing to where you're just there?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, technically I guess a host, I guess, you know, whoever's really in the episode is really the host. I mean, we don't, I don't, I don't present stories about other hunts from other guys kind of deal. Like, so whoever's on the episode is, is, is the main focus in the story is, is focused around that. So um, it's not like, you know, and we used to do, um, more like sit down interviews, interview type style stuff, but still it was usually whoever was hunting. It's not like I opened the show and closed the show every time. Um, at least not in the past 10 or so years, probably. So, um, that was kind of something that we've kind of, you know, geared towards whoever is on, you know, on the hunt is the one telling the story and that's who the focus is going to be about.
0: So, so you have you ever gotten any drawback from anybody of saying we need to have more of a personality on the show consistently? Is that, is that ever come up to where that's been a a topic of conversation? Well, you know, we need some consistency here. We need somebody to shoulder this show because it seems like the show is, blown up on its own it's almost like that heartland bow hunter it doesn't need mike sucker on the show not to say that you're not a badass hunter or a badass host or an awesome on-camera personality i'm just saying if you turn on an episode this week you might not even see you on there at all sure yeah has a sponsor ever come to you and said mike this uh, that isn't gonna that's not working we need more of you on there
1: not really. No, we haven't had too much, uh, of anything like that. I mean, I think Sean and I have a pretty strong presence on the show naturally just because we do it full time and we do get to hunt a little bit more. Um, but I get emails all the time telling us to get rid of Skylar, but he's just my good friend. So I can't do it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, my favorite thing is, is all the time. Like we'll be like out doing something and somebody will come up to Sean and be like, Hey, are you Skylar from Heartland Moiner <laughs> or vice versa? They confuse them cause they, they kind of look similar, but, um, but no, yeah, we haven't had a whole lot of uh a lot of, you know, push towards, you know, having a, a single presence on the show or maybe, you know, more of a presence with Sean. Like I said, Sean and I naturally are on the show quite a bit just because, you know, we're we're doing it full time and it's our you know, it's our livelihood. But um but I, I actually, you know, enjoy I, I don't I I have no desire or aspirations to try to do it all on my own or do it all just Sean and I. Like if Sean and I had to produce you know, cause we produce the 13 episodes for television. Then we produce uh, 20 digital episodes. So we produce 10 episodes for full strut, which are like Turkey hunting miniseries. And then we do 10 other episodes for behind the draw, which is like all big game hunts, completely separate of the TV show. So, you know, we're producing is a lot same of same different... hunts
0: just produced and edited in a different way.
1: No, they're completely different hunts. Wow. Yeah. So, um, and, and not That's to say strong. that, yeah, I mean, if we, if, if we got rid of all that and just focused on 13 episodes, like Sean and I, even then, like, Stuff. that's a lot you know I mean you you know how it is I mean that's a lot and so um yeah I I have no desire to put that strain on, on on myself or Sean so um I know that you talked about like the stresses of of the worry about like the the you know the the industry the sponsorship the financial side of things but like Sean a few years ago got kind of caught up in in, in stressing about the hunt itself and like you know, worrying about, okay, we're going to have enough content to like produce enough episodes and this and that. And, and it kind of ruined it for him. Like not ruined it, but kind of like made it not fun. He got to a point where he's like, man, like I, I just, I stress about needing to, needing to be successful in order to have enough content, you know, produce enough episodes. And I worry about it so much that it's just like, man, this sucks, you know? And so he kind of had, he like took a step back and was like, all right, like I just need to know that I'm doing everything I can we're hunting hard. We're hunting good properties. We're doing the best that we can. And, um, you know, we have such a great team that has the ability to create, you know, and and have that, you know, capture that much content and have that many successful hunts that no need to worry, like just do your best and, and hunt. And that's how it goes, man. I mean, we, you know, we go on, you know, probably six or seven like trip hunts a year. And I'd say, you know, we're bow hunting, man. So it's like, you know if we're 60% of those are successful, 70% of those are successful. That's huge. Big time. So, um, yeah, I mean, you just can't worry about that stuff. You just gotta do do your best.
0: So I'm I'm trying to envision how this country music DJ or this DJ in Kansas city has some radio shows and he's bald headed and goofy as hell. Like one of the goofiest dudes I ever met, shit talker, smack talker, (laughs) very clever, very witty. I've hung out with Ronnie Phillips a few times. But I remember I was in the PBR bar back, I don't know, it was during one of the Cabela's waterfowl festivals, 6 seven six, seven years ago maybe, and there were some banners up there that had the H B on there, but it had the silhouette of a duck. On it, And I was like, I wonder what that is, you know, and and I didn't know at the time until the next day uh, we were at a, you know, we were working the Cabela's deal and this bald headed clown comes up to my booth and starts, you know, hey, man, we're interested in talking to bandit and, and things like that. I'm trying to envision how this goes down. You have a relationship and I'm not saying clown in, in a way, me and Ronnie talk a lot of smack when we're around each other, but is he sees the success of the Heartland brand and him or somebody else brings this idea of, Hey, Mike, Sean. You know, you guys are done really well at the deal. Did they have? Did they have a network that knew you? Did you grow up with these guys? I think Ronnie's quite a bit older. He's my age, I think, so he's older than you. Um, does he come to you and say, "Hey, we want to license the name and and develop a waterfowl program"? Now, how how does the waterfowl start to play into a guy with you that is laying down all of this archery footage? You know, for the last ten years.
1: So actually um we had kicked around for a little while we had probably were in like season four of the show and said you know we're kind of looking at other uh, other ideas to help grow the brand and we're like man we would we a lot of us are passionate fishermen too and so we're like man, we should we should look at starting a fishing show and so we uh trevor actually designed you know designed some logos and we were kicking around some ideas and and he actually fishes a little bit and so he was kind of interested and then um we were kicking around the idea and, and and Trying to grow the brand and do something different, and um, we never really got too far with it. You know, we were busy doing everything else, and um, so my, uh, Sean and I's other business partner, Brad, that I was telling you about, is Rex's friend. Um, his son is Logan. Heard it, and so Logan and Sean grew up together, literally since they were tiny kids. We all went to high school together. Um, Logan would film with us, help us out a little bit when we were bow hunting and stuff. But he was really passionate about waterfowl, and he went to uh, went to college out in Hayes, Kansas. And, uh, started getting really into it out there. And so we were kind of kicking around some ideas and, and, um, the waterfowl thing was just like the most natural fit with Logan's passion about it. And then also Ronnie, uh, uh, approaching us and talking to us about it. Ronnie actually, so how I know Ronnie is through his, um, would be his, uh, let's see, it's his wife's uncle uh, is one of my dad's best friends who I actually, who actually like grew up hunting together at hunting camp. And so I knew Brett Althaus forever. Um, you know, known him a long time and that's who Ronnie started. Uh, I think hunting waterfowl hunting with him and got kind of involved and got a you know into that. And Ronnie, I think grew up, you know, deer hunting and stuff in Kansas. But, um, so they kind of, you know, Ronnie kind of got introduced to the situation. Logan was passionate about the waterfowl thing, was a little more serious about it. And so that kind of made the most fit, you know, because they had the, you know, the, the time and the dedication to put towards it as opposed to the fishing thing, which was all just like kind of a hope for all of us to like, maybe, okay, one day we'll do this kind of deal. So yeah. So we got together and, you know, started brainstorming, you know, um, how to produce a, basically produce a waterfowl show. In similar format to our bow hunting show um, and, and kind of ran from there. So we, those guys started kind of assembling a team of guys and it's the, they kind of have their own crew from a production standpoint initially Sean and I, I think the hopes were that we would be able to do a lot more cross, you know, cross promotion or, or a lot more hunting together. Um, but it just, it just comes down to the time at the end of the day, you know, I, I would love to go. And actually I'm, I'm planning on, on, uh, going on a hunt with them this year. I'm just going to make it happen. Cause I just, you know, been doing it too long to not, to not make it happen. So, um, you know, cause I really enjoy the waterfowl side of things. So, um, uh, but yeah, so we were initially, you know, hoping to, that we would be more involved, I think. Um, but then you get back into the sponsorship side of things, and like you know we try to align um as many brands as possible with both shows. but at the end of the day, you know, budgets and timing and all that stuff matters, and so like they're you know uh, all, all these years, I don't think we've had a we've always you know worked with Realtree uh both brands, but I don't think we've had like we worked with Nomad, they worked with under Armour, you know we had a conflicting uh apparel sponsorship, so not that that's the end of the world, but um just there's those little obstacles to overcome when. Uh, when trying to plan, you know, hunts together and stuff
0: like that. So is this something to where you start a subsidiary company with, with Logan or do you license Logan and Ronnie, the HB, are you an owner in HB Waterfowl or did you guys just start a completely different LLC to where the income and the revenue streams are completely different, even though you try to align the same partners theoretically?
1: Yeah, no, it's a separate company. So yeah. Yeah. So we're all partners in a separate company for the Waterfowl show. And then, you are uh, you,
0: your four partners plus them or yep. You, and with Ronnie and, and Logan. Logan.
1: Yep. yep. And so yeah, so we uh yeah, so we're all partners in the waterfowl company or waterfowl side of things. And then our production company, which, you know, at the time when we started the show was Mammoth, we did it, you know, did all of it through Mammoth. Um now we just run it all through, you know, H B productions. So we produce um our show, we produce the Lindsay Way with Jeff and David Lindsay, and then we produce Heartland Waterfowl as well. So, so. Heartland
0: Waterfowl, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but you guys have this HB Heartland Bowhunter production, HB Productions over here. Is that what it's called? mm mm-hmm. This LLC over here that you are an owner in is paying, like, you, you know, you have a leasing company. You own a construction company, but you also start a leasing company to where your leasing company leases back the trucks to the construction company. That helps out with revenue. It helps out with insurance, liability, all of that. Are you guys paying hb productions to produce the show to where now there's revenue being put into was that agreed upon in the beginning that there would be revenue going into hb productions to cover your cost plus a little bit of profit to produce the waterfowl side of things
1: yeah i mean that was um initially it was a completely mammoth was completely separate of hb and hw so um it was just a con you know they they basically uh paid for the production work yeah for the post-production work um, and now that we have it all through HW, yeah, or through, sorry, through HB, yeah. So we pay, um, HW pays, uh, HB for the production side of things.
0: Yeah. So is this something to where it becomes nonchalant to you to where it's not nonchalant, but no worry to you, Ronnie and, and Logan are heading up all of the dealer is there. And also an agreement that you are going to, you know, help out with that alignment of partners and everything. Are you consistently working on the waterfowl side of things too?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, Ronnie kind of runs with it, um, for the most part, as far, like, as far as the business side of things. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely involved in a lot of the partnership discussions that we communicate, you know, on a pretty regular basis, um, as far as the partnerships that are concerned, especially the ones that are, you know, overlapping, we kind of try, try to handle those together. So, um, you know, I, we, we're always, you know, talking and, and on the phone and, and, you know, discussing everything. So yeah, we work pretty closely together.
0: So with the with the success of the HB brand, is this does this launch a a desire a demand for this logo apparel and hats and beanies and stickers and decals and and tumbler cups and stuff, is this a strong revenue source for you or is it something that's there? And I always ask myself, like, if you're gonna do it, you gotta do it. If you're gonna be an apparel guy and merchandise guy, you can't just go in there and have one t-shirt because you might not be, you know appealing to every customer potential customer is it something to where you really strive to drive that business or do you just take what you can get and you might have a few offerings here and there are you always rotating through designs is it is it important to you to have a strong offering in your apparel and merchandise business
1: uh it's not a huge arm of our business i would say um but it i like having you know nice stuff and creating you know cool apparel and so Um, but it's not a core focus for us necessarily. We definitely could probably do better. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we, I mean, we, we try to stay on top of it, come out with a few new items here and there and, um, you know, try to make stuff that people can wear and be in and actually enjoy and be proud of. And, um, but it's not, we're not an apparel company by any means. I mean, there's a lot of people out there doing, doing a lot better, you know, from an apparel standpoint. So,
0: so do you see yourself potentially challenging yourself to get into that realm more with the success of the brand? It just seems to me like that logo as strong as it is and prolific as it is with archery hunters who are very passionate, it seems that you could really drive a revenue source through a high profit side of business, which is apparel. Yeah. High profit margins.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's probably some opportunity there, but um man, you know who did it really well and and, and was Michael Waddell and his partners obviously with the Bone Collector brand did a great job of, of licensing that out and and, you know, creating all these products across the board. And they, they did a the great job of leveraging that. Are you brand. sure that,
0: are you sure though, that they did a great job or did they do too much to where in my, this is my opinion. and I would yeah. say this if Michael Waddell was sitting here is great logo, great brand, unbelievable, clever name off of the Denzel and Julia Roberts. I don't remember who was in the movie, but it was a movie bone collector at one time about no, it. That. Yeah. That's where they got that. That uh-huh. came off of a Julia Roberts, Denzel Washington movie. I think. Not saying that Waddell they got it off of that. He might've came up with it, but that is a movie from back in like 95 or something. Oh. Um, You can Google that. I think that I'm right on that. <laughs> but then I saw it on, I mean, I saw it on everything from a bow, which is a high volume, you know, a high, that's a big money deal. Bow's 1300 bucks or 1500 bucks, whatever bow cost. And then all of a sudden it was on toilet paper at Bass Pro. And I'm not just saying that. It was on rolls of toilet paper that you tore off the bone collect. It was on steering wheel covers. It was on. It was almost the Duck Dynasty deal to where you have this brand, but then you can go into Walmart and buy a Chia Pet, where I think that that potentially may have damaged the Duck Commander brand in the long run of being considered legitimate by a core group of duck hunters. I'm not saying that for sure. I'm asking, I'm playing the devil's advocate, Hunsucker. Is Can you do too much and spoil your brand? With having it out there way too much.
1: I think so. I think you definitely can, Um, especially with a brand like ours. It's, you know, we've kind of tailored our brand towards a more premium brand. And so we could definitely dilute that by, you know, coming out with all kinds of stuff. On the bone collector side of things with, with Waddell and stuff. I mean, I think his core, core audience is just that down home.
0: Then why don't you see it on as much anymore? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I, I there was I an influx 10 or eight years ago to where you'd walk into a Bass Pro or a dealer, mom and pop independent dealer and you'd see bone collector on a lot of stuff. Yeah. I'm not saying that you don't anymore. Or maybe I'm not going into enough stores, but do you?
1: Yeah. I don't, yeah. I haven't, I haven't followed it really closely. Um, but I do know just from working with different companies in the industry that there's a lot less of that happening, the licensing side of things. Um, it takes a really special person or personality or um, influencer or whatever you want to call it to really move the needle with that license stuff. Oh Um, and you know, I'm trying to think back to my dealings with when we worked with Vista and, um, I remember Aaron Olger had a, yeah, he had a, uh, a some sort of market research on the power of the influence of these different figures and high up there were, you know, Will Primos, Michael Waddell, Jim Shockey, you know, these guys. And, and, and uh, you know, there's very few of those type of people that can really, really sell stuff and push. I mean, really, you know, people walk in and say, OK, I want this because of bone collector. Um, and so I don't know. There's just a lot less of that licensing type stuff going on now, I think. Um, so it, it and I'm not, I'm not sure why. I don't know if it's become less effective or if it's just kind of a cycle type business, um, like you saw with like the Duck Dynasty stuff, Um, you know, but I definitely see that. Maybe it is
0: just cycles. Maybe Bone Collector ran its cycle and they're not on as much stuff or um, is the brand still as authentic as it once was? I think it is. I think it's a badass brand. I see a lot of decals on trucks. I see a lot of people, you go to the NWTF convention every February in Nashville, you see a lot of shirts being worn. So to me, it it would make sense for companies to still want to license that type of a brand if people are still wanting to have it in correlation to other things, a pair of binoculars, a bino strap, a gun strap. A, I think TC's got a bone collector model. I don't know if Hoyt's got a bone, bone collector model, but I know that they're at one time they had a bone collector model for everything, yeah. for everything. Yeah. So I don't know if it is not effective anymore. I think celebrity endorsement is, it's gotta be effective. I mean, Shaq is selling the general insurance. Yeah. (laughs) Why would somebody buy general insurance from a guy that played basketball? You ever think about that? Yeah. How does it work? Like how, how really does that work in marketing? You're a business guy. You're educated in business. Why would somebody see a general commercial or a Papa Murphy's commercial with Peyton Manning on it and say, I'm Peyton likes that pizza. I'm getting that pizza. Shaq. There's no way Shaq has general insurance. He might own the whole company by now, (laughs) but why does it work? You think, why do people get so in tune with celebrity endorsement to where these companies are willing to pay. I, I mean, this kid from Duke, how much money is he going to get from a Nike? I mean, he blew out a Nike. I don't know where it is right now. He's the number one pick in the NBA draft. He's going to be millions of dollars in endorsements, right? What What is the infatuation with people seeing a, a celebrity using it, a Michael Waddell? Oh, he shoots that. He shoots that. I'm going to go shoot that. How does it, why does it work, you think?
1: I think it's just people idolizing people and and just people really looking up to people and respecting those people's opinions. Um, especially like the big star type people that are getting these big endorsements. And, um, you know, we're so close to it. It's maybe more difficult for us to see. But like most people, you know, you know, they just they just they don't see all the the detail stuff. They just say, OK, like this guy's using this bow and I trust him and he's, you know, seems to like it or whatever. And I, I'm in on it. And I don't know. It's just it's, just, it's a different just a different type of person that you're marketing towards. And so like, I mean, just like the bone collector stuff, like, you know, you see people with stickers on their truck and they may not even really know what bone collector is or who Michael Waddell is. Maybe necessarily, they just like cool, cool sticker, cool logo. And like, same thing with like duck dynasty. I'll never forget. Like, uh, when that big thing blew up and just like everybody was all about it. And I was like, yeah, you ever heard of duck commander? Like, no, what's Duck commander? I'm like, well, that's what Duck Dynasty was before, you know, the show. And so um, it's just, yeah, it's just a whole different demographic that they were reaching. So it's interesting to see those, how those, you know, things become popular and cycle and, and uh, change throughout over the, over the course of the years.
0: But So when, when when it comes to HB, the brand, the episodes, you're going into season, you're getting ready to film for season 13? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's strong. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. So are you like, man, we got to up our game? We got to be innovative. What are we going to do now? I mean, we've showed the flowers. We've showed the trees. We've showed mother nature in her finest capacity. What do you do now? You know, I mean, what, what is there left to do to keep that audience going, man, we want more. You got to disrupt that market again. You got to keep, I mean, 13 seasons is unheard of in TV. Yeah. The biggest sitcoms in the world are the, I think law and order lasted like 50. I mean, survivors on like 60, but you know, what are you going to do now?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're always trying to, you know, up our our game from a production standpoint. Try to tell better stories, um, and try to produce better content. And you know, we we try not to stray too far from you know what we kind of are founded on, and and that's the beauty of really our format and, and the style is every story is a little bit different, and it's different with HB than it is with HW with 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 bow hunting and and big game like each hunt and each pursuit is a little specific and different in its own way. Every animal is a little bit different, um, to where, you know, we kind of let the, each story kind of tell itself kind of deal, as opposed to, you know, with the waterfowl show, um, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to really tell a story differently each time. And, um, a lot of times it's, it's more or less, you know, and I know you guys do a lot of it through guests having guests on the show and learning more about those people and their background and how they are passionate about the, about the sport and the industry. And, um, you know it, it's always it's always difficult to really you know find that that specific story to tell. Um, but I think as long as we continue to tell unique stories and different stories, then there'll always be a desire to to consume that content as long as um, you know it's it's unique and, and, and something you know wor- worth worth watching and worth wanting to learn about. Um, you know if you if you do the same hunt, we try not to do the same thing over and over and over again. you know if we do the same hunt in the sand Hills, in Nebraska every year, it's like, okay, it gets a little redundant. And so we try to switch things up, but we also try not to stray too far from our core either. You know, I mean, whitetail is king in the industry. You know, most people, they're the most accessible thing to hunt, you can walk out your back door and hunt tails. Most people can. So um, we try not to stray too far from that. Um, but we also try to, you know, switch things up and tell, you know, unique stories each, each time.
0: So right now your mind's not going like, man, this mountain goat hunt, we got to get this done. We gotta have this done. We're just you're just gonna let the trip and the experience play out. Catch what you can on camera. Try to kill a, a, a nice goat. Something that represents the species very mm-hmm. well right now you're not sitting here like grinding through storyboards and trying to come up with that's probably going to be the first episode that ne- that we'll see come to air next July 2020 for season 13 of Heartland Bowhunter. Mm-hmm. You're not sitting here going man, I got to I got to just knock him. I got to land in a helicopter, I got to dance, I got to I got to have some singer in camp, I got to really blow their minds. I really want to light this up for th- season 13. Yeah, no,
1: we, yeah, we've got it down to a pretty good science to where, you know, initially when we started out, we would kind of sit down, go through a shot sheet and kind of have everything kind of planned out. But we've been doing it so long that we've kind of figured out what we need, what we don't need kind of deal. And so, yeah, going into this hunt, I mean, we're just going to capture the adventure, capture the experiences as it happens. And, um, you know, once it's all said and done, then we sit down and we say, okay, what are we going to do with this? How are we going to lay it out? And, and, and how's it going to look? So yeah, most of our like storyboarding and like laying out the pa- like the the how the episode's gonna lay out mostly is done after the fact. Yeah,
0: and what where do you go with your sound design on these episodes? Is there talks being done by you and some new bands, or you are you? ingrained in, in the music industry now to where you want to get are you working with any other bands besides reckless right now when you hear reckless you think heartland it was smart what you did there then you hear the song come on in the credits and but in, in water in hw they got a reckless song on there. Mm-hmm. um the hotel song cat Cow- was a cowboy hotel cowboy motel uh, yeah i think um but is there any talks being done to where you're going to switch that up at all or is that sound significant with hb now
1: yeah, um uh, no, we don't so we don't work with any other any other uh musicians or anything like that. And and the Reckless Kelly thing, like really you know, it's one of those things that just really stuck in that like that wicked twisted road, like it's just a great song for what we do and, and we use different variations of different songs and we use different uh different songs for different credits of the like the miniseries and HW and stuff like that, like you said. Um but yeah, I, I you know, it's one of those things where I don't know, it just it just stuck and it fit and and you know, everybody seems to, with all the feedback seems to be positive for it. So um I think it's something that we're going to continue to do and continue to use for
0: sure. So where, what's the end game? Where do you, where does HB go? Do you just wake up one day and go, that's enough. I mean, you can't have 15 seasons of the same damn deer hunting show. That's never been done ever, but Shockey's 60 and he's been, on, he's been doing it forever. Waddell's 46 or 47 and he's been doing it forever with road trips and, and yep. real tree monster bucks and bone collector and you know everything that he's done with the real tree family. Is there fear that it ends someday? Are you a businessman to where you're ready to evolve it into something else? Are you going to get tired of being on camera and you say, "All right, it's time for somebody else to come in here and be the main guy"? Or have you already set that up to where nobody's used to seeing just you, so it won't be that big of a step or a big of a change if you're not on there as much? What's, what's the net, what's the, the evolution of HB you think right now, if you had a crystal ball?
1: Well, you're stealing my thunder. I'm actually backing out. No, I'm kidding.
0: (laughs) Uh, No. You were uh, going to announce it right here. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay. You heard it first here. No. You know, I, you know, I enjoy what I do and I love what I do and I don't anticipate that changing. Um, You know, honestly, if it gets to the point where I'm not enjoying it, I promise I won't be doing it. So I, I just, life is too short and I, uh, it's too short to, to not enjoy what you do and be happy. And, and so the second I don't enjoy it, trust me, I'll, I'll be on the way out. So, um, but like I said, I, I love it and it's, it's, uh, I don't anticipate, you know, any major, major changes, you know, in the near future. I think that, um, it's something that, that Sean and I are both extremely passionate about and really enjoy doing. And, um, it's a great industry and, and this is, this is the most convoluted and, 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 crazy the industry's ever been i think um but i I think things will i think things will shake out i really do um i think that uh that the strong will survive and be better and uh at the end of the at the end of the day i think everything's you know the people that have been doing it for a long time and that you know have the relationships established i think are going to end up you know better off at the at the end so um you know I, i i don't anticipate walking away from from hb or or you know taking a smaller role or any of that type of stuff. I I really, really enjoy it.
0: So do you see it to where five years, you think, you, you, season 20, let's say season 20, you think you get there?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know that, you know, in five years, I don't know that we'll, we'll be producing um, the, the TV show for Outdoor Channel. I don't know. Um, but I know that we're going to be producing hunting content. I'm, I'm sure we will. And, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoy the whole production side of it as well you know the the um you know outside of just producing the hunt i like i like the the producing the commercials and um the brand films and that type of stuff so um i'm sure we will still be in five years still be producing some sort of hunting content that that will be under the hb brand for sure
0: so when people say man it's their hunting contents going away because of the access to all of it hunting content's been being produced for a long time it's not fair to say in my opinion, Oh, it's, it's, we'll, we'll be without it someday, you know, like unless something really happens to where we lose this privilege, which we're all striving not to, do you, do you think that it, is there any chance it gets bigger and better? Can it become more significant? Can it play more of a role in, in, in a, you know, a bigger capacity in what we're doing? Can it turn into a bigger business or is it, is it, kind of flatlined out and this is kind of what we're going to get being tv producers in the outdoor world
1: no i think so i think there's i think there's opportunity for the the whole industry and and hunting to grow as a whole um especially now at a time when you know more than ever now people are like concerned about what they're putting into their body and they're you know there's a lot of the um you know the organic you know non-gmo movement and and i think that you know, now more than ever, there's people that have not hunted before that are kind of opening their eyes to it because of, you know, they want to know exactly where their kind of their food comes from. And so I think that is a, a a great way to tap into, you know, a more, a bigger market and, and that, and then I know the female, you know, female side of things, uh, is on the rise too. And so, um, you know, I think the more, the more mainstream, um, you know, attention and more mainstream influence that we can have, the better. And then we can get more people out and hunting. That being said, I think it's a huge challenge too, because, um, you know, just the access is going, is getting tougher and tougher. Um, you know, a lot of it, uh, we, we have some friends with the with the QDMA that we've talked to about, about hunter recruitment and that type of stuff. And a lot of guys, you know, for, for guys that are middle-aged that maybe didn't have an influence growing up as a, you know, as a grandfather or dad, taking them out hunting, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of, uh, difficult to get involved, you know, and it's kind of one of those deals where it's kind of nobody, you know, if you're a middle-aged guy, nobody wants to ask somebody to take them hunting for advice. And, you know, if you're a kid, no problem, whatever. Um, so I think, you know, and I think there's a lot of focus on that in the industry, which is good, um, is, is hunter recruitment. But so there, there's, there's definitely, you know, it's an uphill battle, I think, but, um, I do think that there is definitely opportunity for growth, growth in the industry as we get more mainstream exposure.
0: I like hearing that. And you, you don't, you don't see it playing out to where outdoor TV goes away. You would bet right now that outdoor channels going to be around. TV is going to be around. We don't have to really put all of our eggs in this basket of social media and different platforms. You, you would bet as a betting man, you'd say in five years when you're producing this, are are we still going to have? And the reason I ask Mike is because you, you can go out and, and develop a, a TV show right now or a TV episode or a short film and put it on YouTube, but YouTube doesn't support hunting or the right. lifestyle. Right. It could come at any time where they say no more bullets, no more guns, no more killing on this platform. It could happen with any of them The the outdoor channel is significant in what we do in my opinion, because it supports the entire culture and lifestyle of what we wake up to every day. So that's our home. That's our baby. And that worries me on these other platforms that with the political views of hunting, even though I, you know, strive to educate people at least before they make that vote or pull that ballot or whatever, is we, we have a home with the Outdoor Channel. We need support like that. And there's not a lot of networks out there that do that. There's the Sportsman's Channel and the Outdoor Channel owned by the Outdoor Sportsman's Group. Um where do you see that way lying? You know, like that could be go away at any time on these other platforms. So I don't know if that's a concern of yours or are you, are you watching that?
1: Yeah. I mean, we talk about it all the time. It it just goes back to not putting too many eggs in one basket kind of deal, but like it's scary to create a business model around any one revenue stream or any one platform that could change at any moment. Like you said, so like, you know, YouTube, for example, you know, they just recently changed their monetization, how they monetize videos. So, you, you know, these big YouTube people that I mean, there's people that, you know, make a living off creating content for YouTube. They create these unboxing videos or these um, you know, makeup tutorials or whatever it might be. And okay, like you're getting, you know, say you're getting $20,000 a year through your YouTube views and then they change their monetization and it goes from 20,000 to 10 or 12,000 like overnight and you did nothing differently, but all of a sudden you're getting paid way less. So that's, you know, that's uh, concerning for any platform. Like, like I said, so I think it's just, uh, you know, important to, yeah, not, not, uh, not, you know, create a business model surrounding something that you can't control. And uh, while we need it, we all rely on it. I mean, you see that you saw the evolution of, of Facebook. I mean, I remember, you know, Facebook was huge for us. Uh, we have a pretty big following on Facebook. Um, you know, but a couple of years ago they changed how, how you can reach them. So if you want to reach your following, you got to pay money. Well, you know, Instagram hasn't done that yet, but I guarantee it's coming down the pipe. So, sure. um, you know, they're, they're smart. They're, they're, you know, they've created, created a beast. So, um, and they're, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna milk it for all it's worth. I'm sure. So, um, you know, I it gets back to you. You kind of want to own own your audience, and you don't want to rely on all these other platforms to have to reach them.
0: That's where I was going with that, is that. I feel like that's what we have with the Outdoor Channel, and I'm 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 really an advocate of the Outdoor Channel and seeing it get back to you know being the main voice in. But I also think that the network has taken some turns too that make me ask questions with a lot of the programming that they've chosen to offer. Do you do you ever? consider it like, well, maybe they're trying to go the other way and not really support their core audience. Have you ever had that thought process at all?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I haven't put too much thought into it, but, um, you, you know, you see stuff like, uh, the Western movie night type of stuff like that. And, and it, at first instinct you're like, okay, like, wait a minute, what are they doing? This, this is not, you know, this isn't really hunting stuff, but, um, at the same time too, you know, I think their plan and their idea behind that is to reach, you know, reach the, the new audience. The new audience. And so I think that that's, that's definitely good. I mean, um, those guys know a lot more about that side of things than, than I do obviously. And so, um, you know, they, they've, they've invested heavily in the space and, uh, they're making decisions that, uh, are above my pay grade, but, uh, but you know, I, I, I you do see some of that stuff and you, you may at first glance say, wait a minute. But then once you, you know, think about more and understand more about it, then, um, you know, and I, I don't know, I'd love to see the, like the, the results they've had from that, you know, of, of how many, you know, if that's brought in a new audience, if that's, if they've gotten feedback to where it's open, open, you know, the door to, to hunting for people or not. But, um,
0: I'd like to see that too, because yeah. I'm wondering, I guess if somebody sees a John Wayne movie is going to be here, which that John Wayne movie has been seen on at least 150 other networks over the last 50 years. Yeah is that audience member going to be like, Oh, I didn't even know about the outdoor channel. And Oh, there's the heartland bow hunter. I'm going to start watching this every week. That's what they're trying to do. Right. Yep. To but convert. at the same time, they're taking all of this all of this episodic potential of marketing the HB show or brand, and they're giving it to John Wayne
1: True. to where that yeah. could
0: be a promo episode, you know, an episodic promo for HB or the foul eye for bone collector for that core audience. That's what it kind of worries me is like, All right, well, The Deadliest Catch Tonight or Wicked Tune or whatever. Yeah, well, that could be, hey, check out our mainstays. Check out the guys that have been with us for 15 years. Check out Michael Hunsucker and Sean Lucktail. Or what's Sean's nickname? What's it, Riley? What's the other guy's name? Skyler. I'm going to start calling Sean Skyler. Skyler Lucktail. Mm. (laughs) Brought
1: to you. I I should have corrected you a long time ago. Sean's going to kill you, but it's (laughs) Lucktail.
0: It's Lucktail? What have I been saying? You always call him Lucktail, though. Does he get pissed? Uh, Yes.
1: Does he? he's very mad so like he'll no, be I'm waiting kidding. outside the door for
0: us no i'm kidding his i his, like that guy
1: his dude his his name gets butchered so mad like because it's it's spelled l-u-c-h-t-e-l so like people call him luchto and it Luchthel. always gets always Luchthel. gets butchered
0: how else can we butcher it i want to come up with some new yeah news. he's gonna be mad <laughs>
1: uh but yeah no i know what you're saying um you know with with that whole deal and you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. The, 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 the network, I guarantee the network's, you know, under a lot of pressure. I mean, they, like I said, they came in, Cronky Sports came and bought, you know, Sportsman Channel and Outdoor Channel and they're invested heavily in, you um, in, in a time where things are changing rapidly. And so, um, you know, I, I know they're doing everything they within their power to, to continue to grow and, 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 and do better. But, you know, I don't know. You know, I I don't know if that Western type stuff and like the the Western movies and promoting that stuff. You know, like you said, is it is it to 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 reach numbers and and uh, you know deliver numbers or is it to grow and potentially turn a new audience? You know, it's hard to say exactly.
0: Yeah, I just it's always. I mean, I love the network. I love Mitch. You, you get yeah. along with Mitch? Oh Patry. yeah, yeah. He's yep. a goofball. Yeah, great guy. Yeah, I love that dude, man. We were just with him up in Minnesota. He's a hell of a cat, but man I appreciate it. I think that what you guys have done what your vision was to do it when you're i don't in your young twenties and to now be going into season thirteen and you're thirty three thirty four years old I think that's a hell of an accomplishment dude and I think that um you know they're it's a good story to get that. Yeah. You, you, I often ask myself, like, can people really get into this game right now and make a run at a, a hunting TV show and be successful with it when the guy next door is just out with, you know, producing something for YouTube or whatever. So I, I, I think that it's an interesting story, Mike, of what you and Sean Lucktel have built. Um, I got it right. Lucktel. Lucktel have built. And I think that the HB brand has prospered because of that vision and that you guys never really swayed away from it of you're going to have that quality. You were going to have that, that episode that was going to show the cinematography of the outdoors is what I call it. And the beauty of the outdoors. And I'm not saying that other shows haven't done that in the past, but you guys really did take on a different, different stance with that and a different approach. So you've stuck to it. It's worked here. We are going into season 13. You're making a living in the outdoor industry, which I always tell people it's like, you're rich without being rich. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, I'm not saying that you're not. I'm not saying that you guys aren't driving a brand and nobody knows the intricate details of you or what we do. But this lifestyle is amazing. The network is amazing. The family, the friends, the partners, the the all of the different walks of life that come together because of a hunting camp. I always say duck camp's the best place to be in the world. I know that you're a deer hunter, but deer camp, same thing. Same thing Even yeah. though y'all are weird, I always say deer hunters are weird. <laughs> they go to bed at seven. They don't drink any beer. They might have one. They got their, their clothes in an oxygenated bag. And not sent, this deer hunter. <laughs> not this deer hunter. But duck camp is my favorite place to be in the world. Out of all the beaches and all the resorts I've ever been to, all the vacations I've ever been to, I love being in duck camp, Arkansas, duck camp, Washington, Idaho, I don't care. I think it's special. I think that this lifestyle is is so um I don't like just I, I the word is just it's not contagious isn't the word but it's just something that that I hold very close to my heart that it when you get a taste of it people want it. And yep. I think that if they do come to camp or they do sit in your shoes or walk in your shoes or your hunting boots they're going to be like, "Man, it is a lot of work, but who wouldn't want to do that if they're a hunter?" Who would not want to go Right now you're probably gonna go out to a farm and open the doors and there's gonna be a tractor there and a cold a cold beer and a cooler and you and Sean Luctoul are gonna sit there and talk about all right, we're gonna do this food plot and that's work for you. Yeah. That ain't a job, dude. Yep. It is, don't get me wrong, but it's not. No. It's like yeah. it's awesome, right? It's like one of the richest, most rewarding lifestyles, livelihoods, means of income that a person can do if you're ingrained in the outdoors. So yeah. what you built is awesome, man. Yeah.
1: No, it's it's awesome. And anytime time you, you get frustrated or or uh upset about something you just gotta take a step back and be like oh okay yeah this is my job oh yeah this, i forgot this damn tractor keeps breaking but <laughs> i got not, i got worse problems to worry about
0: yeah i get to drive into town in my ram truck that i don't have a payment on <laughs> you ever think about it like that uh you got yeah. a fuel card too that's sponsored i wish you got southwest airlines freaking back yeah up
1: line. hit me up quick trip <laughs> oh that's a good one yeah. that, i love with, quick trip uh, or oh, casey's actually QT's. would be the one
0: really over qt Oh, well, yeah. Have you ever I been mean, in a Maverick out West? Uh-uh. Oh, you got to check those out out Pretty West. Sweet. We just got them where we live, and I think, I don't know where they started. I mean, I started going to them in Colorado, but they're freaking yeah. sweet, dude. Yeah,
1: I just love Casey's. I mean, uh, quick trip, but uh, around here, but like, yeah, most of the small towns that we're in, like, they're Wild they're pizza. building, it's all Casey's, and they're building like nice new ones. They're all really nice gas stations. So And the pizza is the best pizza in the world. So. Is it really?
0: Oh, dude. That's like, yeah. I don't know if I've ever eaten Casey's. I always see it when I go in there, but I don't know if I've ever trusted it. Is it really? It's so good. Get the breakfast
1: pizza in the morning. It's so good.
0: I think you're messing with me. No,
1: I swear. Casey's pizza is legit. Did you
0: bring me an HB shirt or hat or anything?
1: Uh, no, but I brought you a large Casey's pizza.
0: You did? <laughs> I'm kidding. They sell large. We, we should get delivery. We uh, should go eat lunch. You got time uh, for lunch?
1: No, I have to go get on a tractor. Do you really? It's supposed to rain tonight and I've got a, two more food plastic.
0: Done. What are you planting?
1: Um, uh, boneyard blend. It's like a brassicas and, uh, rape and stuff. Awesome. Yep. Lacey. Do you have any closing
0: Hot. words going okay. into season? You're getting ready to s- film for season 13. That'll go to air July of 2020 on the outdoor channel. Full draw. You, what's the, um, what's the, the turkey? Full, one? full strut. Full strut. And behind is, the draw. And behind yep. the draw. Okay. So I had them mixed up. I had them yep. combined. behind the, behind the draw and full strut. produced and hosted by you and Sean Luchtel. Hosted. Hosted by Sean Luchtel. Hi, y'all. I'm Sean (laughs) Luchtel. Hi, y'all. I'm Will Primos. There you go. I love him, man. Uh, He is a badass. Yeah. Any closing words? Anything that you want to leave on the table right now? I just appreciate you
1: having me on and uh, good conversation.
0: What about The Foul Life? Do you like what we do?
1: I do. I you do. I'm I, not
0: asking you to say that because no. I mean, because if you said no, I'm not going to edit it out of here anymore. No. Maybe I would. No, I wouldn't. I hate the foul light. <laughs> no. Uh, no, man. I
1: like I said. I I really really enjoy the waterfowl side of things. I wish I had more time to you know spend on that. Actually, I remember like growing up, Sean and I like we tried to kill our bucks, you know, early, hopefully before the duck hunting got good. And we didn't, you know, we never duck hunted. Duck hunted like you know, you know, Arkansas and like you know, badass places, but like. We like farm pond, you know, farm pond hunting around here and stuff. And one thing I really got into is the goose hunting side of things. I like that a lot too. So, but I do wish, yeah, no, I wish we could, I wish, wish I had more time to do the, do the waterfowl thing. And um, you think you, you said I was crazy cause deer hunters are crazy, but I'm not the one waking up at whatever time you guys wake up to go set up your giant snow goose spreads and stuff. So
0: I don't <laughs> shoot like, snow goose. Okay. Okay. Yes. I know. I know Ronnie the clown oh, does.
1: Uh, <laughs> he, uh, And that's Logan's deal. Wait a minute yeah yeah them. logan's obsessed with snow geese yeah yeah is, huh? but yeah no duck hunting is 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 fun i wish i had more time to do it
0: well you guys have a heck of a brand i appreciate the conversation i appreciate the friendship thanks for watching what we do good luck with this mountain goat hunt up in yeah. yukon uh yeah, kodiak Island. kodiak island yeah Alaska. be careful bears i don't think they're up that high but just be careful when yeah. you're walking up that high oh yeah they're there Heartland Bowhunter. Check them out on Instagram, at Heartland Bowhunter. Heartlandbowhunter.com is their website. Look yep. at their apparel, their online store. Buy all the
1: apparel, because that's the only way I make money. Yes.
0: Get a hat. <laughs> Get a sticker today and put it on your, uh, your tumbler cup, you know? Yeah. Tumblr cup. Peel off that bone collector sticker and slap on an HBC. <laughs> yeah, Waddell, quit, taking, I'm just all, kidding. Just quit my- taking all the all the fans out there, Waddell. There's plenty of room on you the lovable, back here. You lovable kid from Booger Bottom. Uh He's got it going on. I love that dude. Yep. Appreciate you being here, buddy. Today's yeah. episode, again, was brought to you by our friends at Deemer Box. Check them out for all your Bluetooth audio needs. You cannot go wrong. You can pair them together now. We listen to our music no matter where we're at. Hunting camp, the swimming pool, the beach, fly fishing on a river. We got our Deemer Boxes with us. Deamerbox.com. Thank you for all the support. We have some awesome guests coming up on this podcast. I hope that you guys stay tuned. Please subscribe if you haven't. Tell your friends about it. Leave us a review if you'd like to. If not, no worries. Check us out at This Life Ain't For Everybody on Instagram and Facebook, life ain't for everybody.com. Check out new episodes of the Foul Life season eleven airing right now on the outdoor channel. The Foullife.com for all of our online merchandise apparels just launched. And please check out our new duck call at jargongamecalls.com for the loudmouth, the small talk, and the icebreaker. A lot of new announcements coming up with our new call line. We're fired up to go into the 2019-2020 duck season and chase those mallard ducks no matter where we're at. I feel that jargon duck calls are the best in the in the market right now. Check them out and let us know your feedback, jargongamecalls.com. Tom Rashishine, do me a favor, hit that button, leaf loft, and what you gonna do when the money's all gone. Thank you all so much for the support of this podcast. I'm Chad Belding, your host. See you next time.
1: Life owners won't last that long. What you gonna do when the
0: money's all gone?